Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center Podcast Feed is the Mandalorian Report. We are going to talk Chapter 14, The Tragedy. I am Joseph Scripture. I am Ken Absock, and we are going to find out what that title actually means. I think it's in several things, and one. A lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I think it is just like the Force. It focuses on the individual and the whole all yeah. at once. It's a big, uh, it's a singular tragedy and a group tragedy, I think. 
many many tragedies to be had <laughs> uh yeah it is uh, it's a fun one uh spoiler i enjoyed it we'll we'll talk more about that but it is a fun one to just like for me i watched it uh twice before uh bet before i went to bed at like 2 30 a.m and it was a weird feeling to go to bed going i really enjoyed the tragedy <laughs> uh, i'll tell you what though that title we'll, we'll talk about it but yeah it's a it's a juicy one we got lots to talk about so let's uh let's go ahead and dive in this one like i just said chapter 14 the tragedy written by john favreau directed by robert rodriguez rodriguez around 30 ish minutes uh ken why don't you dive in with your overall reaction did you love it like it struggle with it a mixture uh, yeah, I know it was fun. Great tension. Uh, that when that title popped up, I immediately went, "Oh, uh oh, uh oh!" My the bottom dropped out of my stomach, and and that's a good thing when just the title will will get you going. Um, and I loved a little. Uh, this was to me a little bit of a break in the format. You hear a lot of people, uh, especially last week. I, I've had people reach out, friends of mine. It's like, I like the show, uh, just the, the villain of the week thing. You know, you and I talk about it. I think I do love that format. I've come to like it. I didn't love it as much in season one, but I, I think I understand it and love it here but this was a nice break in the format to me um in fact uh, the side quest was almost uh boba fett's side uh, or excuse me uh uh, uh dinjarin's side quest for others to help him with and i liked that yeah no this i thought this was a big switch that this week mando was on his primary quest for once and gave yeah. boba fett <laughs> a side quest yeah yeah so i enjoyed that uh, uh break in format the the action was fine you know, we've been enjoying these uh, little poems and slow roast and ballads. And, and this was uh, the jams, uh, the MF and jams being kicked out. And uh, that is uh, that's OK, because I want this to be a, a concert uh, with uh, highs and lows or a roller coaster is how Hickle kept tweeting <laughs> out all week. Uh, I like that there. And the final thing overall, I do love that Tython is uh, actually Rocky Peak uh, off the 118 freeway in the northwest San Fernando Valley. <laughs> are you just describing what you feel it looks like or did you track down some actual location filming information I mean, i'm pretty sure i've hiked there <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's uh i i look i the volume has me fooled completely right so this could be completely on the volume i would be fascinated to see exactly it, it looked like they were out there um it's towards cb valley uh and it's a it's a famous uh, out there you, a lot of locations um didn't look like there's like vasquez rocks there's a lot right. of star trek stuff as film yeah no this looked like rocky peak area um and if they did it all in the studio they did a damn good job because it, uh, it looked real no this was not vasquez rocks but this absolutely had the spirit of vasquez rocks this was mm -hmm. definitely uh in its blood in some ways uh kirk fighting the gorn right i mean from yeah. star trek this was uh definitely definitely if it was on in the volume oh well done on fooling me because i thought that's a part of its vibe was definitely like this is for real we've got people dressed yeah. up as stormtroopers climbing up real rocks <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah uh yeah. So the, did you did you have I didn't mean to interrupt by asking you about your location opinions. Do you have a more kind of overall reaction? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. There's some themes in here. There's there's um, there's a there's a there's a there was a badass kind of angle to this episode that is doesn't always pull me in. But I love when it pops up. And and this was this struck that I'd say it struck that balance for me of, of I want to talk about it. I want to talk about violence as a theme. But I, uh, I I I enjoyed most of what I saw, and 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 again, uh, I'm here I'm here for the ride. This is this is the tension was felt by me all the way through. So that shows me that I I really enjoyed it. I engaged with it. 
Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I really uh, responded to this one, I think, in a different way. I think this is one of those times where I like Star Wars on lots of different levels. We talk about that on Force Center. A lot of the time we end up focusing on the kind of big themes and ideas and the whys and, you know, what is it? It's great that that Luke is, is pretty kick-ass in Return of the Jedi, but who is Luke really and how does he really win? We talk about those kind of things a lot. And, you know, we make an effort to do, you know, particularly like on Star Wars Rank to just talk about our favorite, you know, uh, ships, the actual vehicles, uh, not the relationships, but we'll do that sometime. Um, yep. But for me, I think this is one where the themes and the tension in the story was all there. But then there was just aesthetic glory. There was that part of me that just like, yeah, I want to see exactly this. I want to see a bunch of stormtroopers on rocks getting their ass kicked by Boba Fett. Like for me, it it was emotionally affecting on on both of those levels. Um, and I think it worked really well because it wasn't. I think if this had just been that action while uh, Din was, you know, on a random assignment to pick up the Mithral again, you know, yeah. I don't think I would have enjoyed the action as much. But for me, there is this sort of key word to the episode, which is visceral. Um, everything that was happening in the big picture story was emotionally visceral. I think this is the most emotional episode for Din Djarin. That mm -hmm. opening scene that really established that uh, connection between him and Grogu. Uh, the visceral emotion of losing the razor crest of the, the child, of Grogu being, uh, being captured. It's all visceral emotional stuff to the big themes and to the story that we've been following, the main quest of, yeah. uh, of Din Djarin. But then the action was so different from other beats, other episodes of The Mandalorian in that it was visceral. It was trying to make you feel it, uh, particularly with Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. Either he just, either he has a specific thing against the Empire, which we can talk about, or he just wants to be unleashed, or this is his life and this is a great contrast to Din, who coolly gets the job done because he has to, versus somebody who truly loves violence who feels alive when he can smash someone's skull and i felt yeah. like that was not just there to be like cool it was because that's who the character is and that's what the kind of the level of stakes for this episode was everything is a punch to the face uh you know everything from the emotion to the literal gaffy stick to the face was supposed to be a punch and and, and and they've got the perfect director for that. I mean, this this definitely had the the desperado vibes as we anticipated, and that there was a good marriage of 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 plot and director. So you, yeah, you, you navigate yeah. through it. Yeah, and I think the other thing for me on the action is that it was for me what I like in action that it was creative and diverse. Uh, like there was lots of there are definitely some like oh yeah we we've seen that kind of cool move and you know Fennec Shan jumps off uh, something backwards and is still shooting like yep we we've seen it uh, before but there was just a ton of it that was you know different than just shooting stormtroopers in the hallway and they fall you know uh, yeah. it, it had a variety and creativity and just this furious sense of of power unleashed. And the way it was shot, it was really clear, like I like an action where you could truly track what uh, the person was doing and why, uh, but it still felt dangerous and out of control. And it, it's great for me to like compare that, the mood of that action to the mood of Ahsoka's action, which was, yeah. like I said last week, was that whole episode was like you were slowly in rhythm, breathing like a Jedi and there's violence. But it was so like Ahsoka took her time. 
And, uh, you know, she struck exactly when she chose to in this sort of minimal Jedi way. Whereas Fett's just like, all around me must die for the sake of death. Uh, And that that contrast is awesome to see. Yeah, I I wrote down the note of, you know, violence being a theme. Ahsoka last week, Team Fett and Friends now, and how one seems to take this form of elegant justice the other this kind of ugly brutal brutalness not without purpose like you said it, it's working towards something and both at times in star wars may serve the same purpose we just have the tale of two ways two tale, tale of two characters leading the violence because definitely that's the thing it's not a problem uh but boba uh, Bob, I, I feel like favre when he pitched the show i can't remember which one's in the mandalorian army <laughs> dinjarin is is behind the behind the the the, the characters and the plot a lot for me. That's I'm not saying it's a bad thing. These last couple episodes, he is out of sorts. He's on. A, he's learning. He's behind the curve, and I felt that in this episode too. And it, it kind of works for me. It, it's 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 the thing spiraling out of control of a character that, especially in season one, is generally always in control. Right? He's always always going to just you know. I got this, you know, and, and there's some moments in this episode, but I, I love that. So I love, I did love that. I, I, I gravitated towards uh, um, last week more than this week in terms of the violence, but, but God, I, I can't wait to talk more about middle-aged fat. Oh yeah. Him. No, this is the kind hey, of, yeah, it's consistent with him. He's a bad, he's a bad, bad dude, not badass dude. He's a bad dude, but there's some different levels to him this episode that they got out and that worked for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been banging the drum on on Boba Fett coming back uh, for a long time and marrying what we know about him being a clone of Jango Fett and the loss of his father and answering some of these age old questions, marrying that with this, you know, mysterious badass uh, from the 80s that if you were a kid back then you had the action figure. It's not so much that Boba Fett did anything that cool on screen it's that he did cool things in our imagination. But yeah. now in this episode, uh, he did. <laughs> you know, every every bar conversation, every uh, convention panel where the joke is, uh, he stands around, talks tough, and then just gets taken out like a punk. Finally, an answer. Here he is, old man fat, absolutely kicking ass. Uh, and I think for me, it hits that sweet spot of a lot of different, a lot of different eras of my fandom. Um, I tweeted this, and I think it's a big part of my overall reaction. Of I was gonna, I was gonna read it, so I want you to. <laughs> this is a great tweet. Yeah, I, I, I felt like the Toys R Us Star Wars toy aisle in about 1998 came to life and just exploded across the screen. This was a 90s uh, fever dream, 90s in particular, because the the people who had grown up with the original trilogy, or even if you were younger, this is the kind of Star Wars storytelling that was happening at the time. We were talking a little bit more about the badass. You know, I think the Star Wars conversation wasn't as much like, isn't it amazing that Luke won by choosing not to fight and compassion is the right. only thing that can defeat Darth Vader? We weren't having that conversation as much in the 90s. It was Boba Fett is badass. What if we saw him killing a bunch of stormtroopers? What if they're even what were there stormtroopers that were kind of like cyborgs called dark troopers and they were in, you know, like enslaved and Boba Fett should blast out and come back and kick ass forever. You know, it was totally that action figure thing come to life like this has always been. But this was specifically like late 90s. Like I when I was watching this, like uh Rodriguez obviously did an amazing job. Uh, directing it and uh, and that 90s action style that he st- helped establish was definitely present but this was just like I, I in my mind was like 
was was Favreau literally on the set of Swingers, mm-hmm. saying to himself, "What if there's like a baby Yoda and he's on a mm-hmm. Jedi temple, and like he's making a force call to maybe Luke Skywalker?" But meanwhile, Boba Fett doesn't even have his armor, but he has a Tusken Raider gaffy stick and he's using it to slaughter stormtroopers. And wait, that's when the Dark Troopers from Dark Forces video game show up. It's so nineties. Yeah, uh, I text Mark Riley. So what'd you what'd you think? I said, do you like your action figures dumped onto the floor while heavy metal music plays? Then I got a Mando for you. <laughs> um, uh, which is which is no, you're right. It, the, um, I, I got to say so. I, I, I you just kind of touched on something. Uh, this does not mean I didn't like the episode, folks. You're talking about the '90s and the toy aisle, and that's when I not '95 when the Power of the Force two showed up and it was like oh god and we got the special editions but looking on the other walking through in '97 '98 in the toy aisle it's it's I remember going so that's what happened to Star Wars huh Ew. um and so that's why I think I'm having a little I'm I'm reacting to that that's interesting that's insightful oh, I gotta, I gotta, let me go in a corner and think about this <laughs> <laughs> well we can go into a corner together that's kind of what uh, what doing a podcast is yeah. I think I'm I think I'm just kind of pleasantly surprised by my own reaction because yeah the the emphasis on the on the kick ass and the in the violence cuz it's cool is not always my thing and I think sometimes it I have I don't have anything against it but I think sometimes it can be a distraction from these much larger themes of uh compassion and everyone has value and we're all connected and I think the things that really really undermine Star Wars. I think the things that Lucas laid out, that Filoni understands, that Favreau understands, that honestly, I think everybody who's touched this as a director uh, mm-hmm. understands. So I, I do gravitate toward that. But th- there was something about this that was just like, this: uh, the badassery of Star Wars is fun and cool. And I think there was a, in the late 90s, there was for me and other fans that I talked to, just my little sample, mm-hmm. there was a, why not, you know, the the original trilogy definitely has action, but it you know it was earlier, and it, it you know in the eighties, and it, it was like, what if we ever just saw Jedi and Mandalorians just cutting loose? And I don't know, I, this episode in some way answers the why not that I've had since the late nineties on the action side. I think look, no look, look, I I love Chewie ripping arms off and driving people into the ground in Solo. <laughs> so I, and I, you know I love and I you know. I, this week alone, I've watched three Game of Thrones episodes. I love watching good old fights, uh, and 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 I love it. Yes, yeah, so it, it, and therefore, but again, I want to. It worked for Boba Fett. It is a different style than Ahsoka, and it should be. Oh it my yes. be. And I thought that was consistent. We're just we're just telling two different ways to uh, to approach violence, which is when Star Wars works best for me when it uses violence to kind of teach those lessons. The statement, though, there's also the pew 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 because there has to be. And there always will be. And I love that. Yeah. And I think uh, my final thought on this, and then we can move on to the kind of big ideas and themes. I think it worked for me also because it was so uh, balanced by the emotional story, by this horrific violence was happening because, you know, uh, the child was communing with uh, butterflies and blue energy was holding him as he reached out for connection. You know, the, that other half of Star Wars was there while this horror was happening. It wasn't just the galaxy's a dark place and you come off your fet, you get killed, period. Like, that's not the only thing that was going on in the episode. It had this great counter. I 100% agree. Can't wait to dive into it. The butterfly thing was actually one of my favorite moments, so. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm getting so excited. No, I, no, no. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I, I love. Uh, yeah, I love. Uh, you're making me think, and I always I always enjoy that uh, thinking about Star Wars, ruminating, and and not just rushing to Twitter and giving a thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, because I think if I did last night at one a.m., I might have I might have been thumbs in the middle. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and but but so much stuff that I I I love that was in this episode. So let's dive in. Let's do it. Yeah, let's dive in. So uh, we always talk themes or just big ideas. What what do you feel like was at stake? What were the main ideas to you in this episode? Um, is sadness a theme? <laughs> I think so. I I wrote down loss, so I think that loss. could be a loss. Uh, yeah. Loss and, and sadness. We might have the same thing. So, so go yeah. for it. Talk to me about your sadness. Well, I think, but I think this ties back to the thing you said, going back to even the, the trailer preview of the cost of the way. And, you know, we could, we, when you said that, and that's been something we've kind of been going, yep, yep, yep. We, we like that idea here at the force center. You could look at it a lot of different ways. There's some real simple ways that, that the sadness, the loss, no ship, no child. As I said, Mando uh, Din is, is like a step behind even going last week. And I like that go back to the opening where he's going into the Gamorrean guard wrestling ring and he's in control and he's cool and he's killing everybody and getting his way and, and hanging up the guy to be killed by the, the, the creatures there. Uh, I love that Mando. That's a good version of Mando. I like this Mando. That's kind of like, huh, wait, what, who are you? I got to put my weapon. Ah, I need help. I like that. And it's kind of part of this journey and part of the cost and the sadness is there. The loss. I want to focus a little bit on the sadness and I'd love to hear, the lost side from from you, Joseph, is the, the opening scene is wonderful. M- uh, Mando realizing that Grogu is special and that he can't really provide is how I kind of one of the, one of the things I took out of it. Mm-hmm. Feeling like not good enough to train him or raise him because we've been talking about this parent uh, parenting angle and telling him you have to go with the Jedi if they want you. Okay, okay, okay. It, 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 I, I didn't t- it, to me. I didn't interpret it all as the mission. To me, it's him just like. I, Man, it just kind of upsets me that you're so special because I, I know I'm no I'm not I'm not worthy to have you around, which may or may not be true in the end, you know. So I I really love that there was a sadness and a sense of loss coming out of that for me. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think this is one of those things where the the big fun action marries with the the thematic ideas. Yeah, I, I agree. I love that in chapter nine, yeah, he's a little challenged, uh, but for the most part, yeah, he takes down a great dragon. He gets everything he wants, and then he starts to stumble in in chapter ten when he's you know, in I think everything about chapter 10 um, with a passenger, I understand that there are, you know, strong feelings about the egg business. And I, I really do respect that. I think it's there thematically because it is, it is about protecting your young. And that's the thing that Mando is struggling with. And then everything falls apart for him in the next chapter when he realizes he doesn't know anything about the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. If, all of his being off step in terms of any, uh, physical actions in being in control of anything because he's a badass uh, fighting Mandalorian really reflect the fact that his entire understanding of the world has been ripped out from under him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really mm-hmm. powerful. But yeah, to your, your theme of sadness, man, that opening scene, absolutely uh, amazing. I think it so sets up the stakes. You know, uh, like I said, I think that's the most emotional, the most vulnerable uh, we've seen Din uh, he, I, he says that I agreed to take you back to your own kind. So that's what I need to do. And I don't believe him for a second that that's what he wants to do. Yeah. It's just what he needs to do. Uh, so it sets up the stakes so well. Um, and then for me, I think this kind of theme of loss was just, this was an episode that was about, uh, loss from Mando, 
uh, from old man Fett, uh, a little bit from uh, Fennec. Uh, but then Mando st- starts to lose things as Fett regains them. And, and it's not a one for one. It's just like these two uh, down on their luck, uh, you know, Mandalorians after a fashion. We'll talk about that plenty. Um yeah are kind of like these uh, these Mandos passing in the night as their fortunes change. Uh, the One of the key quotes to me in this episode was uh, Old Man Fett saying, but fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. Like, that could be the key statement for the show The Mandalorian up until now. It so goes to the heart of uh, Din's damage, of he, he was rescued, and so he can't bear to see a foundling like the mm-hmm. child not be rescued uh, by Amanda like himself and, you know, gets reinforced from the armor that that is the creed to take care of, you know, to rescue the wretched, uh, honestly. Uh, but then, yeah, the, the for the loss theme of just that, Fett's loss of the armor isn't, you know, a... Again, this, this, is, this would be different if it was just like the stormtroopers took his armor, so he's killing them all for it, you know? Uh, th- there was a pain to me about Fett having lost his father's armor, that there was true emotional desire to reconnect to what that armor means to him. Uh, And so this emotional regaining of his armor is going on while, you know, the Razor Crest is lost. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's an amazing ship. That was a gut punch I wasn't expecting. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, We'll talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... It's that it's it, uh, there's the audience thing. There's the you know I I set aside money and I I ordered that vintage razor crest because I've so been oh. loving this season. Like you know what I'll do it. And I was like, <laughs> as soon as it blew up, is like I just ordered that. Um, <laughs> so from an audience perspective, there's that. Uh, I, I sorry, I have the I have the Lego set. I just got the Lego set, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm staring at. It. I'm going to start building this week. And I'm like, well, I guess it's in it's in it's in memoriam now. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, before you build it, it's now accurate, right? The model is now accurate, uh, being in teeny tiny pieces. I I kept picturing poor Queel rising from the grave and saying, can't fix that, Mando. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But for the emotional gut punch, obviously, there's the audience, but that's their mobility, which ties back to Mando saying, you know, the only thing that's been keeping us safe is being able to move fast. That's their home. The last two episodes we've seen them you know uh last not two episodes last three or four episodes we've seen little kind of home scenes of them trying to fix it them you know drinking broth together then we got to see this little scene of them uh, you know bonding and him enjoying uh, mando enjoying calling grogu grogu that's their home and it's gone and then of course obviously losing the child and even grogu losing consciousness there was this feeling on one hand of just unleashed power and then that just honestly sort of like um uh impotence and i don't i don't mean that in and i'm not making a sex joke i mean that like that sure. frightening you have a dream and you can't run fast enough of like the mm-hmm. one time i need my jetpack it's it's over there i can't go after him my mobility is gone grogu has the power to fight but the power to fight drains him and there's this great yeah. contrast between the uh the expense of power and and this sort of desperate the power is not quite there when you need it yeah i i keep loving it it's been a it's gone back to the very beginning right chapter two uh the anytime grogu really taps in it 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 it, uh, it, it, it costs him and yeah 
I like that. It, it makes, uh, it heightens, uh, you know, the, even the use of it to get cookies is important. Um, <laughs> and, and it just, um, you know, there's no get out of, uh, get out of trouble card, uh, available. Um, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. Sadness, uh, loss, uh, I'll throw in here cause we've been talking about it. I, I do feel like this is another reason that I liked the violence and the style of violence. I felt like unleashed power is a part of this. You, you were talking about the whole show is sort of like a, a musical, right? In some episodes, mm-hmm. I think are the, the slow build. And this was like the explosion to, uh, the heavy metal solo where the uh, singer also is, doing bizarre heavy metal scat over it. This was just like an explosion, <laughs> well, right? You know what I, you know what I, this particular episode is, I'm speaking directly to you, Mr. Scribshaw. This was November rain. <laughs> with a nice quiet, we're all having a great time. Include the video. We got Ricky Rackman in the video and then it just explodes into chaos and then ends with pain. Yeah. Uh, the, the November rain of this Mandalorian album. This is very good. I was, that's a very good, very good. Yeah, because there's there's some pain in that and it also does release. I was thinking of uh, the uh, later solo in Rocket Queen, but that's a discussion for a different episode. Uh, yeah, I just, I just thought in a real simple way, this episode was about unleashing power and it was shot to have it in kind of shocking moments. So you didn't, so you felt that. Grogu activating the stone you know, is a, is a show of power. And it could have been in a slow, peaceful way. And the butterflies are great, but I love that it's just like, boom, this unimaginable power is on suddenly. You know, Fett's fury in combat in the way that it, you, it was shot to make you feel it. Uh, honestly, there's been lots of like, ooh, Gideon, he's, he's scary. And we do get some of that in the end of season one. But, you know, to see on screen the just, the light cruiser just shoots from the sky and death just pounds down and the razor crest is gone and mm-hmm. the dark troopers, you know, uh, like them, love them. We'll talk about them, but they are this kind of symbol of like, Oh, this is this higher level of power. Yeah. The stormtroopers are, are just cannon fodder, but the dark troopers are terrifying. So I did like that. There were lots of, uh, even Grogu using his power to throw the stormtroopers around. This was just like, uh, kicking things loose. Yeah, it was a very smart decision for my money to to have Grogu activate that that rock uh, in that manner. It was the bass kicking in. I don't know why we're just obsessed with just making this whole episode into a song, but the bass <laughs> kicked in, and it and 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 the tension just boom exploded because, like I said, from the moment the title popped up, because these last three episodes, other than Hal Hickle, uh, uh, Love Hal uh, teasing us, a roller coaster ride coming. Uh, I, I, there's no leaks that I knew about. There's nothing that I could anticipate in these episodes, right? Other yeah, than there say- was a Giancarlo Esposito quote that I wish I wish I didn't know. And you and I had talked about that off air, and that was in my head. It maybe helped brace for impact for this episode. But other than that, like like unless Sebastian Stan's going to show up in a fan made poster, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, there was nothing I expected in this episode. So I I was did not know what to expect, and I was pulled in by. I, and we talk about just an unintentional comedy of just of him putting Grogu in the rock and all right, cool. This is how the force work. Right. Right. <laughs> Man, yeah. When, when the ships went like, Oh God, that's slave one. Here we go. Boom. Turn around force activated. The chaos kicked up and I, and I did enjoy that a lot. Yeah, no, it, 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 for me, it ties into, I think the episodes that I end up loving the most are always uh, Din Djarin's really bad day. You know, that's chapter two, that's chapter 10. Now chapter 14 are just like, nothing's going Din Djarin's way. He definitely uh, burned his crotch with coffee and locked his keys in the car, you know? 
Yep. <laughs> uh, do you have any other uh, kind of big themes, big ideas? There's there's one other that I want to talk about, but I wanted to check in with you first. Uh, I got some big ideas. I got some big ideas right here. No, um, I would uh, let me look at my notes. Oh, I just put honor, debt, vows. Those are things that appear a lot in this show, but just the different sides of it. I love that uh, uh, Boba, or as I now say, hey, Boba, I, I give my allegiance to no one. <laughs> yeah, right. Great quote. And then in the end, he doesn't give his allegiance to Mandalorian, but he, he honors and respects the debt that he that he made with him, uh, debt that he has with him. Uh, Fennec Shand, uh, Ming-Na Wen's great, and, and I do give me that action figure now too, including um, uh, Metal Gut. With rip away uh, stomach, yeah. With rip away stomach. Um, I imagine that's easy access for maintenance, but I did love that she's just like, oh yeah, this. Um, so anyways, yeah, I love all that. Uh, it, 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 it's honor, honor, debt, and vows are not anything new to Star Wars or even to this show, but I love a continuing uh, uh, next stanza in, in the poem. Yeah, no, I, I, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. I, I thought about it for a while and kind of was like, what is it that's different to, in this episode that I'm really responding to? Uh, and I think it, it approached these ideas of honor and vows from this perspective of really choosing uh, what defines you. Uh, there was a ton in this episode of characters talking about what they are or what they think other people are. Like uh, Din asks, um, old man Fed, asks Boba Fett, are you a Jedi? Are you a Mandalorian? Um, there's the idea of what is a bounty hunter floating over this since uh, these are two of Star Wars's most famous uh, bounty hunters here, Boba and Din. Uh, there's stuff about what does it mean for Cara Dune now that she is a New Republic marshal, and I thought what kind of came out in these different deals that people made and stuck to or not was this idea of, does your title define you, you know, your faction in the Star Wars galaxy, or are you defined by your actions and your relationships? And I felt like overall this episode is arguing this specific vision of honor and identity that you are, you can call yourself whatever you want, but you are defined by your relationships and your choices. Yeah. Um, and a, a couple of examples of that. Uh, um, so obviously this whole show has been uh, about, this whole season has been about Mando's quest to reunite Grogu with the Jedi, you know? And we get that that great scene in the beginning where I really felt like Mando feels like he has to. He doesn't want to. That There's that quote of, I agreed to take you back to your own kind, so that's what I need to do. I think you're pulling out that great, like, I'd, I'd try to take care of you and, and raise you and be impressed by you and proud of you, but you're too powerful, and, and what do I know? Um, and, and I really saw that as, as Mando almost being held back by his creed of just like, mm -hmm. I kind of don't know how to get past it. I take my marching orders from the Mandalorian creed, creed and I take them how they're interpreted and handed to me by the armorer, and she told me this is my quest and anyone I meet, I tell this is my quest. And and I don't know if I can break that and I don't know what there is for me if I do. So he's, it's like he's being a little locked in by his definition of I am a Mandalorian with a creed, you know, and he, he's throwing that at Boba Fett as he does with anyone who uh, wants Mandalorian armor of, you know, did you take the creed? Uh, the creed is everything. And, you know, Fett following up, as you say, with the I give my allegiance to no one. This is a moment for me where that theme is really coming out of we're going to see Fett have some honor. And we'll talk, I think, later about if that tracks with the Boba Fett we know. 
But in this episode, he is he is not he is saying I am a Mandalorian based on this definition to me that my father was a foundling. My father handed me this armor. It's mine. I you know I don't talk to me about your creed. Mm. I'm a Mandalorian based on my relationship with my father, my relationship with that armor. I give my allegiance to no one. You know, I'm no mm-hmm. no bounty hunter guild keeping me back, no imperial contract keeping me back, no, you know, very specific definition of Mandalorian. I give my allegiance to no one. Is a big like, uh, you know, I can be identified in all these ways, but I am choosing who I am based on my actions and my relationships. Uh and then and then just I think a, a lot of the uh straightforward great stuff uh of the deals back and forth of Fennec Shand was saved by Fett. So she is going to be bound to him. Obviously has rhythms with uh, Mando and Grogu uh, and, uh, you know, Fett keeping his word to protect the child, you know, and saying, yeah, we're not going to leave you alone uh, because we, we made this trade. You give me the armor for protecting the child and I'm going to stick to it. Um, mm. I think there were even uh, more uh, different uh, permutations of, of choosing how you're going to define yourself by, you know, Mando being like, uh, Grogu, uh, you, you can move things with your mind. That's a Jedi thing. You're a Jedi, right? (laughs) And we get that with, you know, Grogu does and does connect to the force and, and maybe he calls out or maybe he's just answering the stones call, but you get in that opening scene that Grogu, it's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'd rather stay with you, Mando. Cause when Mando asks him, to say, like, hey, if the Jedi, they're going to take real good care of you. If they want you to go with them, you got to understand. And he gives that little shrug, like, maybe, <laughs> you know. <laughs> there was a point. Is that the moment where he kind of goes, Pfft. it's not intentional, but it came up to me as he was like, whatever. No. I, no, I, that's totally the way I took it as absolutely yeah. intentional because it's Mando being like, I'm Mandalorian. I follow Creed. You move things with your mind. You're a Jedi. You have to go with the Jedi. And both of them kind of just being like, We'd rather be father and son. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the last permutation of this is that uh, that little scene with uh, with Cardoon and her new connection to the her new connection to the New Republic. Of, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna follow these. I don't like the Empire. I got my problems with the New Republic, but you know uh, Carson Teva gave me these stripes, and I have to follow them. And then very specifically, Mando's like, I get it. Cool, Creed. Uh, Creed recognized Creed, but. Uh, this is the child and that relationship trumps all. Yeah. So I just, I just thought it was great of like, it kind of kept playing out again and again where, uh, people had these very specific, like, here's my label. Here's my star Wars faction. That's going to dictate who I am. No, wait, I I'm going to make choices based on my relationships. Yeah. Actions over titles. Uh, action. I love that. I love that. Uh, Pulling that out of there. Uh, I think that's something that's, in line with Ahsoka Tano and everything we talked about last week. Uh, and just very interesting for, for, um, cause Boba Fett, cause we're getting these answers. We're, we're, we, we love, we love, uh, wondering who and what Boba Fett is. And, and he's, he's, uh, he knows who he is and he's just told us. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're definitely going to talk about all those cannon drops about, uh, Fett, which we've been waiting uh-huh. for, for a long, long time. Uh, any other themes or ideas before we move on to the title? No, no, that was uh, some great stuff. Oh, thank you. Uh, sorry to go on for a while. I just really, really affected by that one. I think that one was really uh, powerful. And I think that's feeling those ideas is what makes me feel uh, also okay to just go 
yeah, 90s action, boba kicking ass like I've dreamed since 1980 uh, because it's all a part of those ideas. Yeah, it flows out of it. And again, that's when it works best. Star Wars at its best, when violence is used with a purpose to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say it was. I'll say it was. It, it, it hit for you more than me, but but that doesn't mean uh, I have ne- I've thought about crushing stormtroopers with rocks. <laughs> Who among us hasn't? Uh, let's talk about that title. We always like to check in because sometimes the titles are straightforward. Sometimes they have great multiple meaning. This is the tragedy. Um, how were you affected by that? What were your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what the tragedy is. I've been saying this for a while. The tragedy is Mando's bad tactics in protecting the child he's sworn to protect. <laughs> how many times do I have to yell at the screen, stay with the kid for how many episodes and how many chapters in this damn show? This stay is a, with the kid. This is a, this is a great uh, spoiler for our anything uh, we disliked your question section. My first thing I wrote down in all caps is physically stay with your child, Mando. And look, it'd be one thing to say if he's he's out of sorts, he's a step behind like you and I have been talking about or learning about the bigger world. He's been doing this from the beginning. You know, he, there's moments where he's great and uh, where I go, he goes, great. You also leave him on a speeder bike. <laughs> you also say, stay here. Uh, look, I'm someone who now has a sling around his uh, shoulders with a chihuahua in it all the time because we can't leave her alone. All right. Stay with the Chihuahua and the kid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so that's a tragedy for you. Uh, what, what else? That's not really what the title means, my friends. Um, so certainly, be the tragedy of what happens. But I, I, I want to dive in and, and look. Sometimes you and I with these, we can have some fun with these titles. We know that they are what they are. Uh, sometimes, but it, it wouldn't be us. It wouldn't be fun if we didn't look at it from another point of view. And I, I, I the individual tragedies in the lives of Fett, Chan, and, and even Mando. Uh, whether it be on the surface of you were left for dead. And I love, I love them. You wrote that down too. I love, I love that Boba Fett refers to them all as wretched. Yeah. Um, and there are those guys. I mean, you know, is did again, Boba Fett's a bad guy. If you, especially if you read the comics lately, he's done bad things. Him dying uh, as a joke in return of the Jedi with a good burp at the end of it. Is that a tragedy? There's many in the galaxy who would say no. Justice. But, <laughs> justice. But to the boy on Geonosis who knew no other way and saw his father's head chopped off and did not know, you know, could not process that and maybe wasn't given a, a, a chance to choose another path than this. That's a tragedy. Um, that's part of it, too, for me. Fennec Shan, we're going to know more about, but just on the surface is tragedy. And Mando continues um, to kind of uh, delve into his past as a foundling and what happened to him. So that's a very general thing. I, again, I, I don't think every time the titles are 100% what we dive into, but it's just the fun of it. And I think that carries through the episode into what you talked about with loss and what we said with sadness. Yeah, no, I think that's all in, uh, very, very well said. Um, the tragedy, obviously, Grogu's loss, uh, Razorcrest loss, but yeah, uh, all of these characters are animated by tragedy. Their choices that they're making in yeah. this episode, uh, Din, uh, Fett and Fennec Shand are all their their actions are determined by being honorable to one another based on shared experiences of uh, loss and tragedy, even up to that great moment where uh, Din is, you know, letting himself be shot, which he's getting really, really good at <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to protect Fennec Shand and saying, I owe you from last time. You can just go and her saying no. I mean, that's, you know, uh, wrecking tragedy, recognizing tragedy. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm really, we've talked about it recently. I really like all of the different elements that Star Wars pulls in and the sort of Greek or Shakespearean and many other storytelling styles. 
the style of tragedy where you know something bad is going to happen and the joy of watching the tragedy or the drama of watching the tragedy is how exactly it will unfold. So I thought it was fascinating that this episode really evoked uh, like watching uh, Revenge of the Sith. For the most part, the majority of people who watch Revenge of the Sith uh, know that it's not going to turn out well. The title hints at it. It is the drama is in watching how the drama is in, in asking yourself, you know, uh, just like uh, Macbeth or Hamlet or King Lear, when could Anakin have made the different decision? When was it too late? When was the moment where the tragic flaw overwhelmed him? Um, and I think there's a, that it's really interesting to me that they decided to go that route by saying, hey, look how close Din and Grogu are. Look how much they'd clearly like to stay get together. Well, this episode is called The Tragedy. It's practically a spoiler, right? Uh, but yes. you get something different out of it because you watch all this badassery with this dread of knowing that something very bad is going to happen. It, it worked well. It, it, you know, you mentioned the Giancarlo Esposito quote that you and I uh, discussed, and a lot of people are probably aware of. Uh, we discussed, I think, off, off air. Uh, but like, so that's in my brain. And then the title pops up. And then what you talk about, when the bass kicks in, like I said, the chaos, that that tension really worked for me because, you know, it's, <laughs> this is not, there's no birthday party at the end of this. No streamers cake. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I really enjoyed being able to approach it from that way. And yeah, for uh, the Giancarlo Esposito quote was, um, I, I, it was in one of the major articles that we all discussed. I think people just didn't um, obsess on it where he talked about, getting to spend some quality time alone with the child. Um, and, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe people interpreted that as, you know, off camera, maybe they went out for coffee. Uh, but I have, I have felt sort of uh, uh, spoiled by that of, yeah, at, toward the end of the season, Moff Gideon's going to successfully kidnap Grogu. And in a way, you know, I thought it might come this episode just because we've only had three episodes left uh, as of this one. Uh, but then when it was called the tragedy, it's like, oh yeah, it, it, this, it's going to happen this week, but how? Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have seen people online uh, in uh, some articles already uh, thinking or arguing or wondering if the tragedy <laughs> refers to the tragedy of Darth Plagueis <laughs> because the the, uh, the uh, portion of people who really, really believe that what Moff Gideon is doing and Dr. Pershing are doing, extracting uh midi-chlorians uh midi-chlorians uh from uh, from grogu are all set up to uh the development of snoke uh so they think they're that it's attaching back to uh what palpatine told anakin about uh the dark side uh, being a, a pathway uh to creating and preserving life you can't see me i'm leaning over my table with my eyes kind of squinted going Okay. Uh, look, actually, I have fun with that. Uh, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing a little bit. Um, if you if you base a lot of your existence on wanting staffs to belong to a certain Sith lord, Sith lord, Sith Sith lords, I should say, uh, that might be it. Uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I I I do kind of sometimes want this just to explode into the bigger picture. Um, I still don't know, but that's interesting. Okay, cool. I love it. Hey, that, that these titles can mean a lot of things. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be interpreted different. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we'll just see where it goes. If it is a direct connection to the creation of Snoke, that'll be really interesting. Uh, I think we've probably touched on a lot of them, but any particular larger Star Wars theme that you thought was reflected by this episode? Yeah, so we did touch 
touch a lot of them. I, I wrote down just one here, and this is a, there's a, there's a question mark here. Uh, follow me here. Uh, uh, I put the idea of the Empire Returns question mark. Now we know some canon differences or thoughts, and that, but the, the, this idea of the theme of darkness behind uh, ruling and those who rule that it is way beyond just Moff Gideon wants to set up shop again and put the Imperial logo on his restaurant. There's something more at work here, whether it does tie into the bigger picture or whether it's Moff Gideon just wants to be a super soldier Jedi with a dark saber. That's not necessarily a theme in a big classic sense, but it's, it's star Wars. And I was affected by Boba Fett just going the empire, they're back. Because part of me can go, well, you know, if you read Aftermath, I don't really know. <laughs> but just as as a theme, uh, and, and you and I can make jokes about, hey, John Favreau probably is like, the Empire's still around, right? No, what? Oh, okay. Well, I, I want them around. That's I'm going to take that those jokes and put them on the shelf. Uh, I, I, would, I, I don't know. That one stuck out to me. And I don't know 100% even what I mean by that, Joseph. I'm just saying, like, it is the same kind. It, it is this ruling party and a ruler who is uh, doing things on the surface, but deep down there's some real bad things that maybe they're starting to become aware of. I don't know. And, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and it leads to a bigger fight in my heart. So I liked that for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like uh, what you're talking about there. I think this episode was a really good, just uh, almost uh, a setting, resetting the table of those themes of what, what are, what are our heroes doing? What, what are Din and Grogu doing? They are, you know, trying to discover their connection between one another, Din is trying to bring Grogu to the place that will be absolutely best for him. Grogu is reaching out in this in this organic way through the power of the Force, and then on the other side, here's the Empire just blowing up everything it wants, taking everything it wants, taking the mm-hmm. dark saber, taking the child. It's all about what matters to them. It's all about uh, you know possession and, and you know hoarding uh, mm-hmm. of power, and everything that Grogu and Din are doing is about connection and reaching out and then somewhere in the middle somewhere in the mysterious middle is uh old man fett and fennec shand of showing some honor but also showing some just like uh thrill at least fett thrill and killing uh mm-hmm. and that that does matter in star wars you know ahsoka the previous episode you're saying she uh when, when people give her no options and don't listen to her many warnings she's she unfortunately gets them out of the way and Fett's yeah. just like, this is great. <laughs> I'm loving this. And it's so different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, the the found family, obviously, it's, it's the I think one of the main big Star Wars themes that is the foundation of the Mandalorian show. But this one really brought out, you know, lost foundlings in particular, uh, young ones in particular, but also just orphans and, and anybody who's kind of left for useless left for dead on the side of the road of that you know literally connecting that of like boba clearly escaped from the sarlacc but clearly wasn't in great shape based on uh his flesh uh and him saying like uh, she left for dead in the sands of of tatooine uh just like me so he's got that connection to fennec shand uh obviously there's the connection between din and grogu that's about lost foundlings uh learning that Django was a foundling is what makes uh din completely back off on his normal you know but you got to follow uh the creed and i think that even connects back to to me like a new hope and that's that's the connection between han and luke of here's this kid who's just lost everything right in front of han and han's trying to be gruff but he's got this soft spot for this kid you know like 
well, you, you're pretty good in a fight. I get, you know, you sad orphan, you could, you could come with us, you mm-hmm. know? It, yeah. I think specifically that having empathy for people who are lost or wounded is a, is a big part of where Star Wars gets its heart and is mm-hmm. great to hear it said in this, you know, very dramatic, very gruff way of, of but it sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched, you know? That, yep. that to me is huge. I love them sitting around in a circle going, you hurt? Yeah, you hurt? Yeah, you hurt? Yeah, want to team up? Let's do it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's talk about anything we disliked or questioned. Uh, I, I was uh, troubled. I think it, it's meant to be a part of the tragedy, as you said, of that last beat where Mando just stay up there with him while he's sleeping. Don't go down. Oh, but he's trying to be a good guy and help Fennec. So, yeah. Uh, that I, I was troubled by that, uh, but I think I was meant to be troubled by that. Uh, anything else that you disliked or questioned? No, I th- yeah, I, I think in terms of story stuff, anything that I, um, it always seems to tend towards questioned with us anyways, because I, I had some, we're going to talk more about the Jankook stuff, but when some of the answers came and, and came that, that quickly and, and just, here you go, here's the answers. When I think I was expecting a long, slow campfire scene, uh, I, I, I have to remind myself what we tell each other here on the podcast, engage with the story presented to you. <laughs> like that's something we, you and I believe in, uh, you know, you, you entered that into our, uh, our, our four center bingo. And, uh, I think about it often. I think about it a, a ton. And this was, uh, this was a week, um, where I had to engage what was presented to me and I'm looking forward to finding out more um and finding out why the decision to make Django a foundling why it works and, and why it connects and, and how it connects um and how this basically this entire episode was you know prime minister almac you're a dummy uh, <laughs> and i mean good i don't mean that like in a bad way but just like it no. just it actually adds depth to that clone wars moment for me yeah, so a lot yeah. Of, uh, even if i question it it was like okay let's see where it goes um, I, it, no, I mean, again, I think it's part of it, but it's been building where you just, you're like, Mando, like, you're so smart. Stay. <laughs> Stay with the All right. You have to give up the jetpack. Little weird, little weird. We're just putting our guns down. All right. You know, but, uh, I can, uh, I can get behind that. It's not a plot, holy a plot point problem. It's just like, uh, yeah, all right. You made the decision. Uh, look at that. It's going to, going to cost you. And I actually like that. I, I like when characters mess up. I like when characters are feeling a lot of sorts. Uh, I think there's lessons to be learned from that. So that's, uh, that's, that's some of the stuff I question. Yeah, no. And that, that uh, all makes sense. We'll talk about the Jenga stuff more. Cause that's kind of what I wanted to focus on in our discussion of the big Canon revelations. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's huge. So we'll do that right after the break. Uh, yeah. The jetpack uh, putting down, I, I think it's all, you know, you could read it as uh, conveniences and contrivances, you know, but it, it all, it all works for me. And I think it, uh, <laughs> I loved that uh, Fett has the line of like, there the, doesn't need to be any bloodshed because if it doesn't already exist where there's a, <laughs> smash cut to him slaughtering stormtroopers <laughs> directly off of there doesn't need to be any bloodshed bang 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 uh that will be great and worth it um yeah i think for me the the you know i wish i didn't know that Giancarlo carlo esposito quote i think you know i still would have felt like ooh, the tragedy the nature of this show they're gonna get separated gideon's gonna get them that that feels right but i still wish i hadn't known that um mm-hmm. this season has been really different just in general with um how much casting stuff has come out and you know clearly you know letting actors say a little bit more uh it's mm-hmm. not Giancarlo Esposito's fault you know it's clearly he's you know if Lucasfilm did not want that getting out I think it probably would not get out um so uh, you know that that is a kind of it is what it is uh, not a big deal and I think the only thing that I question this is really truly questioned 
I have said a ton about how much I love this action, how much I loved seeing Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett kicking ass. But there were those moments of like, okay, that yes, it is. It's stormtroopers running up rocks, you know, running up not Vasquez rocks, but you know that vibe, getting slaughtered by Boba Fett. It it did feel at moments like '90s fan fiction, mm-hmm. but then I really had that moment of like, why is why does that need to be a bad thing? This is made by people who love Star Wars, <laughs> you know, yeah. and have that uh, that experience, that perspective, want to see those things. And again, I think if somebody if somebody just filmed Boba Fett beating up the stormtroopers on the rocks, I would think, and that was a fan film, I'd think like, that's cool, really well done. I don't care about it because where's the story? And I think ultimately for me, that little bit of like, this is 90s fan fiction uh, was balanced out by the fact that there is emotional weight, there is story there that I think the, the action all funnels into. I look. I, I I I'll try to pick my words closely here. You know, this is something that I, I I've, I've struggled with. I've struggled with the look of the show since chapter one. I think sometimes it looks beautiful. Last week was different style, and and there's a great purpose behind how it looked last week. Um, this one I like that. You know, it had it looked great. Again, if if even two seconds of any of that episode was on the volume, other than the things that we know are the like a, a command ship bridge or the the, the Razor Crest. But I, I would, I mean, hats off. I mean, they, they've, they've got me to the point where I just don't know. I can't believe it. It could be in front of me. I could be on set in the <laughs> mountains at Rocky Peak. I'm like, this is really VR, right? Like, this is right. So it worked. I just, I do, it's a thing. And I think you're, you're, this is me trying to be honest. Like, I think most fan films miss the point. And I have a lingering dust over all my thoughts on fan films because of that. And that's not disrespect. I try not to be disrespectful to the people who put time, effort, and much just love and money into those projects. I I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I just, we talked about the Obi-Wan Vader fight re reimagined. That's great. I think it cut out the heart of the fight and the soul mm-hmm. of them. And that's fine. That's fine. A lot of the fan edits. I re-edited the end of rise of Skywalker to include all the f- characters that I like more than Ray. I, you missed the point. And I get, I get a little grumpy on that. So I think that's maybe if I'm in trying to you know, in line, be in line with you here on that, Joseph, that's where I start from. So even just the simple feel of a that looks like a 501st member in a costume they made running up a hill, which may or may not be the case. I'm just saying that last season we had some of that. I start to go, oh, it feels like that. I'm getting that weird feeling. That's for me to work through. It's not for them, the creators. Clearly, Robert Rodriguez knows what he's doing. Clearly, uh, they've got a lot going in the show and more money than I can imagine. Um <laughs> Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know if that means if there's in line with you at all. I just, I do go to that spot and I just have to remind myself it is also fan fiction because George Lucas didn't make it. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. I mean, that, that's, you know, and I think it's going to keep happening that way. I mean, like, I think that is a natural point of progression for Star Wars is, uh, I know I say tip of the iceberg too much, but the movies do present the tip of the iceberg and then other creators from all different eras, not just people who grew up with the original trilogy, have those moments of like, but I want to see more of that iceberg. And I think this is a very, like, we love the stormtroopers. We love fat. Let's see that. What's going on with that? What if they all exploded? The dark troopers are cool. Uh, but we also see that in like E.K. Johnston's Padme novels, which I think are yeah. amazing. But clearly, like, the idea of the handmaidens, just a little bit we got to see of the handmaidens clearly just exploded in her mind and she's like let me let me see all that 
Um, and I, yeah. so I think sort of in a non, uh, critical way at all, you know, fan fiction is a part of modern Star Wars storytelling of different mm-hmm. creators going, what part of Star Wars did I always want to see more of? Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's, it, it's, this is an episode I, I've already watched three times now. Uh, and by the third time, uh, you're just not held up on some of that stuff. Uh, and it's, it, it, it is always going to look like a TV show to me right now until it gets bigger and bolder or they're shooting in Ireland, like game of Thrones or house of the dragon or, you know, walking dead it's going to look a little different to me and i like i've been watching solo solo is my favorite looking star wars movie or property in the last five years it just is my favorite the way that was shot bradford young cinematography is just amazing this is you know it's not necessarily going for that and that's so i just i have to i get taken out of it sometimes that's on me i keep saying that because it's (laughs) saying it to myself i believe it yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And I think it is good for us to be honest with the things that we question or uh, wrestle with and uh, and how good of a job we do or don't do at taking our own advice of going, that's fine. It's OK. <laughs> but to, to, to your point, like 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 we're going to talk about Fed. So I have some issues with how some of it looked, but I also went to bed. I was about the same time as you. 2 a.m. going, oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. So sometimes I just got to separate. Uh, I got, I got to leave with my heart, you know, uh, and that's why I always, where I try to come from Star Wars, you know, I kind of, I think Force Center podcast is like you and me at a bar and I'm the drunk guy going, Hey, you like Star Wars? Get in here. Come <laughs> on, have a drink. Let's talk Star Wars. Um, so that it's an interesting journey. So this episode brought some of that stuff up for me. Um, and I know last, like last week, I, I uh, uh, Ahsoka's Montrails with the wrinkles. You know, I still have people going, it didn't, it didn't work for me. And, and, and it, it, I didn't have a, a big a problem with that last week. So that's why there's many different perspectives and many different points of view from the fandom. That's yeah. Cool. And I think that maybe for me, uh, what it comes down to is like, yeah, so absolutely uh, things that uh, bug me or I'm weirded out by that are like, that's not exactly the way I want to see it in a big picture idea or just like a little physical choice. Um, and I think for me, you know, I tweeted something real positive about Star Wars a little while ago, I think on Thanksgiving. And, you know, one or two people were like, oh, great take that you just uh, like anything that the corporation pours down your throat without any critical analysis. <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. and that for me, that's like well, d- 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 not over 900 episodes of critical analysis, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I have been in arguments with friends of mine. Um, um, people can read between the lines on who where I'm like, we study this for hours. <laughs> uh, but in terms of like, I, I think that this is what it comes down to for me is it. I never just blindly go, well, they made it, so I should accept it. I choose joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that, to me, is a Star Wars value of, like, yeah, there's some things about, you know, uh, Boba Fett's uh, appearance or this little choice or that little choice. Uh, And I could go to bed cranky because this was there, there was this little thing that I think was not the way it should be. Or I could choose joy because after decades, I got to see Boba Fett kick ass after, you know, years on this podcast of going Tamura Morrison as adult Boba Fett. Think about it. Old man Fett. I've been talking about old man Fett for years on this podcast. And I want to make the choice to go to bed full of joy because I saw old man Fett instead of being upset because maybe this part of the armor wasn't blah, 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 you know? 
Yeah. No, same, same, same. And it, it's, it's, it's tendency, it's a tendency of this industry. This is perhaps a different podcast. We should stop, take a break and talk about this all the time. But it's part of the industry. I said to you off air, I'll repeat it here. I sometimes feel like I'm in an ongoing, never ending episode of movie fights. And I, I, I feel like I have to win around. I have to win around. I have to win around. And that I can't go. I love this episode. I just thought the mortar trooper looked like Bob in his weekend costume. Like, you know, like it's all the same, but I went to bed going, Holy crap. I want that old man fat figure. Like, uh, and that's what, when you and I say we choose joy, it isn't ignoring anything. It's just, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot going on in the world. I want to go, I uh, want to choose the joy of Star Wars because for years, the only Star Wars you and I had was walking by the toy aisle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, remember that? I yeah. might look at that and go, God, I hate Dash Rendar, but hey, at least it's on a shelf. Now I get to go, Dash Rendar might be in a show. <laughs> it's a different spot. <laughs> and as I've said years ago, and it's a part of what fueled Force Center for us. What a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And I still think that at the end of every day. That is right. Well, you heard it here first. Ken Knapsack is starting the official, official shoulder pad fan club and pushing yeah. for Dash Rendar to appear in Mandalorian. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, good talk and good talk about talking. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll dive into some of the big canon stuff. Some of those great comedy and action moments in The Tragedy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. 
I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of The Tragedy, Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. We always like to talk about big canon things. Uh, Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're just the little small background things uh, we noticed or the internet noticed. Uh, But Ken, I want to start, we've been talking around it, but I just want to dive into just Boba Fett, the presentation of the character, and then all this information that we got about uh, Jango and about Boba's standing as a Mandalorian. So much great stuff, but I just want to start because uh, we, we talked a lot about uh, violence, but uh, and who the character is, but just Tamura Morrison, the acting job, the presentation of Boba Fett as a character. Uh, what did you think of the performance? Loved it, loved it. I uh, my four center, one of my four center bingo card entries. Uh, our, our listener Chad Benefield loves to tease me in the Discord is acting that takes me out of it. Uh, I'm highly critical of some of the acting decisions. Actually, I think it's director or showrunner decisions for some of the great actors in this show. Um, That said, it never, like we just said before the break, I end every night happy with this show. Uh, I want to make that clear. I loved, I I waxed poetic about the five seconds we got of Tamara Morrison in chapter uh, nine because Mm -hmm. I felt it was more lived in as a character than almost anything I had seen in Mandalorian before. Give or take. I also think Baby Yoda's the best actor of the show. Um, this episode, I'm telling you, man, it worked for me. He was great. I loved it. Uh, you want to talk about f- uh, favorite Star Wars cor- uh, lore and canon connections? The way that he says Boba, because it's Django. <laughs> I love it. My Attack of the Clones uh, friendly heart just was bursting at joy when he's like, I am Boba Fett. Like, oh, gosh, it's just like his dad. Because, of course, it would be. Um 
And I love too. I'm looking at you, John Favreau. You sat on the stage in Chicago and said, I don't really like the prequels, but Dave's trying to get me to like him. And you just did a show that connected to attack of the clones. So what do you feel about that? Cause he did. A good yeah. Job. Yeah. I mean, the tragedy is a good title for this episode, but this episode could also be called the triumph of attack of the clones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it really could. It is paying off. Yeah, man. I, I think Tamora Morrison is just a fabulous actor. He is one of those uh, actors who just has this sort of like presence. I just kind of feel like he is one of these uh, humans that he walks in the room and you just turn right. Uh, he's got presence. And I think there were just a lot of great subtle choices made. There is the connection uh, to Django. There is the pain of what over whatever he's been through. I mean, obviously we can kind of assume some uh, some sarlacc uh, acid stomach juices did not sit well with his flesh, but we don't know what else he's been through. So he reclaimed to me that aura of mystery that Boba Fett used to have and his delivery uh, has that little bit of the deadpan, blah, blah. You know, you know I know that they have put in Tamora Morrison in the original trilogy, but uh, was it Jason Wingreen? Um, uh, the original, that original deadpan, you know, you know, mm-hmm. all of those great quotes of as you wish he had that tone and intonation that really connected to the, the Boba Fett of old, uh, yeah. for me, which I thought was really powerful. And I think it really important to this episode, there was a sense of honor and there was also that sense of just this is a really dangerous guy. It was like talking to a rattlesnake that could spring mm-hmm. at any moment, you know? Yeah. And I like, I like that one day, whether it's a miniseries book comic, or maybe just you and I playing with figures again at Toys R Us. I want to, I, I want to find out what's gone on in these five years because I have so many questions and, and is this a Boba Fett that again, I keep saying he's a bad guy because the, the, the fetish, fetishization of fet, <laughs> fetish, <laughs> fetishizing of fet that's gone over the years can can like like even Vader can can write off a lot of evils and he's done a lot of evil things in stories some that are even recently controversial. It's not fet, it's the writers. But um, I don't want him to lose that. But I'm intrigued by what is he emerged as? Is is is, is was the honor always there? It seems like he might feel he always had some of the honor connected to his father. Uh, we can go back into the 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 gangs that he was with and Ara Singh and all that kind of stuff. I'm fast by that now anyways i i i don't want to ramble and ramble i just like what was presented i like the mystery it's a great way to say it joseph because uh i i didn't feel like this was just simply he's got his armor back he looks like the figure of old and isn't that cool it, it went beyond that they had some great moments the rocket fire you know great oh, yeah no i'm gonna lose my mind about some of those action moments i'm containing myself right. uh contain yourself no more sir <laughs> uh yeah i think for me the um I liked the this feeling that maybe some stuff happened in these years post Sarlacc because the Boba Fett that we have been seeing in canon is pretty brutal. You know, we just read that great uh, story and from a certain point of view where he just he plays on his connection to Dengar and IG-88 of having, you know, run with them in a gang and just lies to him. <laughs> you know, we, we don't see Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, uh, you know, uh, having great honor. I, I think his original sort of mysterious appearance in the Empire Strikes Back, he he did evoke Westerns. He did evoke Gunslinger. He did evoke that guy who would absolutely shoot anyone between the eyes, uh, but only if he was getting paid. And, you know, that there was this very dark, very deadly guy, but with a sense of honor. But this, the way he, like, take, took the time to rescue Fennec Shand and, and being having that empathy of, like, 
I know what it is to be left for dead in the middle of this horrible desert. You know, did he take all that Tusken Raider equipment uh, through violence or like Din, did he make some sort of bond with them? Did they rescue him? Did they bring him back to life? There's these great questions of has he changed uh, yeah. in the last five years? And is that sense of honor that it's something that always he kind of danced around, something that his father kind of danced around, something that he's making a choice to reclaim while still being clearly viciously violent and enjoying it? Yeah, you you asked, that's the question. I don't know. I don't know what I feel about this. Does he, Did he change? Probably a little bit. Do I want him to change? I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't like, I have found the force. You know, not that he's a Jedi, but like, I, di- I died and rose again, and now I'm going around the galaxy giving food to the poor. No, I'm, <laughs> he's still kind of a jerk. He's kind of, but, but, but there's some layers to it. I don't know. I, I, it, 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 it created those questions in me, and that was fun. Yeah, like I give my allegiance to no one, but I'm personally, this isn't for you. I made a deal and right now I want to honor it. So I'm going to go out of my way to do that, you know, is that's an interesting character. Um, Okay, so we talked about the presence. We talked about the performance. Also, I mean, it was shot well where Tamora Morrison was either either had just uh, amazing digital technology of put his head on the actor or he was doing some of that great swinging of the gaffy stick. So that that made it more visceral, too, because it was him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, and if there were stunt people, it was shot in such a convincing way where I, I never disconnected from the character. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to check the credits and, and, and how much, but it seems like a lot. It was also done in, um, uh, I've already seen some conversations done in the style of, of his uh, his native people's tr- tradition, kind of fighting style, kind of so so I, it would make sense that he probably did a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool. So let's dive into uh, some of the just the canon information. Uh, we get the information that he has. Uh, he says my chain coat has been encoded in this armor for twenty five years. He just plain uh, pulls up the uh, the Mandalorian Beskar armor PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. <laughs> and straight up shows Din that Django was a foundling and then he adds he even fought in the Mandalorian uh, Civil War all of which is to say screw you all mock from uh, from the Clone Wars uh, and if anybody who's not caught up there's a, a great little moment in the Clone Wars where uh, Obi-Wan is on Mandalore and he says like, I've been I've dealt with a Mandalorian recently meaning Django Fett and uh, Almec says uh, this character who is a, a government official who uh, appears to be a good guy for a while then not so much later on uh, says, oh, he was no Mandalorian. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's all we've really known about that in canon. Uh, so this is really presented in this different way that uh, that Django was a foundling, that he fought in the Mandalorian Civil War. And from Boba and Django's perspective, that makes him a Mandalorian. How did you feel about that? Uh, re- I, I, li- I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it's weird because, uh, you know, we are part of the generation that grew up calling Boba Fett Mandalorian, right? Right, it's no the question. reason any of this exists. This <laughs> great yeah. George Lucas, like, the guy who started all this, he's not one of them. Right, and I love George, love George, but that's kind of what he does sometimes. It's it's fun, it's a joke. I always hear, I don't want to go down that path, but just like the lore connection uh, thing, it's like, great, George is the least concerned sometimes with his own lore. <laughs> and, and I like the Clone Wars stuff, um, but I know a lot of people are f- fans of the more expansive 
uh, universe's uh, view of the Mandalorians. And this is a great marrying of the two that makes it interesting, makes me want to go back to Prime Minister Almec. We, you and I always believe and not everything a character says is fact. Right. Uh, it's a point of view or experience. And now going back to that and also what we have with Bo-Katan kind of saying, oh, you're one of the weird cult kids, um, which is funny from a death, former Death Watch member. Uh, it's all it's all really interesting to me and it works. I think initially I was a little uh, jolted by, like you said, the PowerPoint presentation because I'm joking, but it was kind of like, I want my armor back. You're not a Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, you're right. Well, actually, I am. Oh, okay, you got it. Like it's just like, oh, oh, okay. After you, after years of wondering, we got the answer in a short amount of time, and that can sometimes seem jarring. But I am now really interested in in what happened, and including what what took Fett so long to get the armor. Couldn't he have just taken it from Cobb Vanth? Was there any kind of interaction? Was he not well enough to do it? Uh, he, was was he not inspired until he saw another Mandalorian riding away with it? Yeah. Or was he was he inspired by Cobb Vanth of, oh, this guy needs it for the city? Nothing. Again, I don't think Boba Fett suddenly turned a uh, sweetheart. But uh, is there something to, that spoke to his armor? I, I don't know. And I don't know is okay in Star Wars. And uh, this that that sequence, after I thought about it, it wasn't like I was upset, but I, it was one of those like went, went to bed thinking, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I can follow this. Django was this, and that's probably why Django was a little upset and had a little sour disposition. Yeah, yeah. I I loved it. I mean, I I get what you're where you're coming from with just sort of the suddenness of it, but that seems to be the storytelling style of Mandalorian of like we're mm-hmm. not going to sort of build up to revelations. It's just a uh, oh, the Mandalorian, mysterious man without a name. It's Din Djarin. I yelled at you. I yelled at you out of window. It's it's yeah. Din. Uh, what is the baby? Yeah. He's Grogu. I just said it. His name's Grogu. Like, yep. that's the way they're dropping information in this show. Like it, love it, or uh, hate it. That's just the. <laughs> this is their way. Yeah, yeah. And and I want to let you finish here, but like this is this is the point where I had to uh, you know eat my own vegetables of of engage with the story because I guess in my head I had a three part mini series of campfire talks <laughs> with Boba Fett and, and I was never going to get that. And you're right. This reveals have come in this way. I, you know, I, I hope, I think when I've been going on about Boba Fett over the years and, and you and I have discussed it back and forth, we've both fallen in love with this idea of they really sit down and have an examination of what it means to be a Mandalorian and go back and forth. I still think there is the slight possibility that on their journey together, if they do continue to go together, which it seems like they are to me, um, that we get a little bit more of that campfire scene. Uh, and so there's the possibility of getting more. But I think what I liked about this is it, it took what is the sort of meta behind the scenes uh, the Mandalorians in the expanded universe were, you know, they're much more of a creed than a people. Uh, Lucas does clone wars and kind of makes it more about them being uh, people. Uh, and then these two ideas are married by making it an actual conflict mm-hmm. in the star Wars universe is great to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Jango was a foundling. So he came through it by creed, uh, most likely, rather than by blood, the same way as Din. So that's a thing that Din is, of course, going to re- relate to, and it's going to tie into the entire story arc of the Mandalorian with uh, with Grogu being a foundling. Uh, but then the fact that that's kind of being uh, possibly tied into the Mandalorian Civil War, which was just so great to actually hear about. The Mandalorian Civil War that Jango would have been the right age to fight in is the reason that uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon had to be protecting Satine. That's, mm-hmm. you know, the year where Obi-Wan and Satine fell in love and, and Obi-Wan almost left the Jedi Order. 
you know, it's great to hear that strangely referenced because that's the Mandalorian Civil War that I believe he's talking about Jango fighting in. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, so to take Almec's perspective and say, all right, well, clearly, you know, the new Mandalorians, Satine and Almec, we, we won the war uh, enough to try this new way, to, to walk away from this more warrior-like way and say, well, Jango was more on the Creed side of it and he never thought we should walk away from it uh, and make that a part of the story. I don't know. I thought that was all just really, uh, really great to make it a, an actual part of the story of a difference of opinion about how Mandalorians should be. Are they just a people? Are they a creed? Where does that overlap? How does that uh, intertwine with how how peaceful should they be versus uh, the Beskar and the violence is the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I want this to keep going. This is this is the lesson, because even last year last season it was like what is the armor talking about i like her but what is she talking about that doesn't seem right yeah give it a beat because someone in the story's like that's not right yeah <laughs> so i love like you said the conflict whether it's really solved in this show which a show called the mandalorian i i'm okay with this conflict being dealt with or discussed uh around that campfire apparently i want but yeah yeah i i i love that i i kind of feel a little uh in the deep end of, of Mandalorian culture. And, and we got, got all got to find a way to swim to shore to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love it. I love getting to know that. Well, Ian, Olmec was right from his point of view, but uh, Django and the armor and Din would probably disagree with Olmec about what defines a Mandalorian. That's super fun. Right. Um, we got confirmation uh, and maybe this has been somewhere in Canon uh, legends is its whole other thing, but confirmation that their armor is the same, that that is his uh, father's armor. Uh, I know there's the Clone Wars episode where the helmet is uh, blown in half, but for me, I'm I'm really okay with it. Was reforged uh, Beskar. Mm-hmm. He found more Beskar and added it to the existing Beskar, or whatever. But how did you feel about that uh, idea that it is for sure the same armor? I I liked it because I it's I I probably didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that. I, it always did look different. I mean, the action figures look different, Django to Boba Fett. So I guess I stopped there. But it adds more weight to it. It is something that means something to him. Uh, the the idea that he is a simple man making his way through the galaxy like my father before me that's big Star Wars statements there uh, yeah. it 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 goes to one of you know we talk about it. that's that's one of the most beautiful shots of Star Wars is Boba Fett bittersweet shots tragic shots speaking of tragedies Boba Fett grabbing his father's helmet I mean you know George put that there and this is emotional canon that ties back to it so I'll take that and I like it. Yeah, is pays off a shot and attack the clones. And yeah, I mean, I, I have not followed every Boba Fett comic book. Maybe there is confirmation to other places, but it was just great to hear it on screen and to, and to make it a part of the emotional canon, as you say so well, Ken. Uh, last Boba Fett, Boba Fett thing uh, for me is, yeah, the, the uh, callback, paraphrasing his father in this episode, Boba Fett says, uh, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Very similar to Django's, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Did you like that, or was it too on the nose for you? I liked it. I liked it. And I I, <laughs> I bet if they, if Boba Fett showed up in Solo, Solo, a Star Wars story, and said that, we'd have 42 think pieces the next morning about how bad that was. But I like it here, all right? Can I be snarky? Is that allowed? Can I be, I'll be snarky? <laughs> um, I think it worked here. I would have liked it in that movie. I liked it here. Um, it connects. It's... it's um, it's something that's probably going around his head. He heard his father say that. He yeah. was right there. And he gets yeah. it. And, yeah. And it, and it connects. Yeah. And, you know, how much of this is his creed, you know, like, hey, Django, uh, my father, uh, 
lost those civil, that civil war. So he went and made his own path. And I think that's what the creed is. I'm a Mandalorian and I make my own path or maybe, you know, Boba Fett uses the word Mandalorian. You know, maybe he doesn't. It's his armor. It's his father's armor. And that's what matters. Yeah. And he was separated from it. And for whatever reason, it took this long to, to, to get it to go forward. And, and, and I like that there. And, and, and uh, I want, well, I want to f- finish your thought. I, I don't want to cut it off. I have one more. Boba no, no, no. That's uh, that. Uh, I, I do have one other pet thing. So let's see if it's the same thing. Uh, you go for it. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, we're like playing a Rochambeau. Three, two, three. <laughs> um, Fat in the armor. I feel seen as a middle-aged man just trying to keep the expanding poof of my waistline in control, uh, despite hitting the gym almost every day. Uh, I love, and this is uh, Tamar Morrison is a, is a, is he's he's about ten fifteen years older than me. He's in great shape, but I love that they didn't. It just it, it was a different Boba Fett, and it was an aged Boba Fett. It was a lived-in Boba Fett, uh, and yeah, absolutely a little little wider around the waistline, and the silhouette was cut that way. And I really, truly, it's not a joke. I loved it. I want that figure. It is a Boba Fett. Whether or not he switches back in, we'll see. But for right now, that image of him with the gear half on, but the cloak underneath. Yeah. I, I absolutely was pulled in by old man Fett looking like that. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it too. I'm glad it wasn't just like, I go into the Razor Crest and then I come out looking exactly like Boba Fett of old. I want him to be old man Fett. It it, it matches uh, old man Rex in a great way, uh, you know, and, and just the vibe of that. He's still got that tattered Tatooine cloak uh, mm-hmm. on under this, uh, you know, extra battered, extra faded Fett armor. It's like, you know, it's Star Wars. It's new and old. It's Fett, but it's different. Yep. It's the last cool. thing I wanted to ask you about with Fett is uh, I, I kind of went back and forth about how to read this. There's some nice ambiguity. Uh, there's a ferocity with which he slaughters his stormtroopers and that reading of the Empire, they're back. Did you read uh, Fett fearing, hating the Empire in specific, or did you think that's just, hey, that's how Fett is? <laughs> it's no, it's 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 no, it's it's interesting. I I was almost said out of character. I don't I don't like that phrase, but it, it it was it's intriguing because not only has he worked with them, and he worked with Vader directly. He was on his you know favorites on his cell phone call list. Uh, I don't think he's afraid of the Empire. If anywhere, if anyway, you know, he benefited from them kind of letting the underworld go. So I'm intrigued by what that means. Again, what does he learn? I don't know that answer right now. That actually is fine for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that we get a little bit more about that of his kind of changing opinion. You know, did has he reflected on his past while he's been on Tatooine and thought like, uh, I thought I was living my life the way I wanted to, but when I look back, I just kind of feel like I was letting myself be led around by Vader and the Empire, and I resent it, and I resent them. Yeah, and also could be like, oh, crap, the Empire's back. I can't fight them right now by myself. You know, it could be that too, but I, I, I it, no, it's, it's an interesting moment because uh, it was not just about a character needed to say that line. It, it, it was chosen by him, and it was chosen that, for that moment, and that reveal in the clouds, I thought it was great. Yeah, no, in there, it was definite. I can't fight them right now. That that shot of uh, Slave One going, whoop, got to turn around. That was almost like the Abe Simpson walking in and seeing Bart and then turn around picking up his hat gif, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. I, I think this is a big canon thing that we've already seen a, a huge amount of discussion on on the internet, but now it's different because uh, we got actual information. Uh, Ken Grogu made the call, right? Uh, He spent some time, some uh, quality time in that uh, blue uh, force energy reaching out 
to the galaxy, uh, waiting perhaps to be seen. Uh, do you think a Jedi is going to answer? And if so, you know, who do you want? We, we've talked about who do you want in general of who's alive, who could be alive, all that kind of stuff. But what, uh, who or what makes sense to the story of the Mandalorian for a Jedi who might show up? Or do you think no one will? I, God, no one will. No, I think I, yeah, well, see, I got to separate what I want versus what what's best for the story, right? This is very hard. Uh, I want there to be that choice. Not that I want Grogu to be like, no, thanks. Thanks, but no, thanks. He connected. What does he feel? What What's going on there? So anyways, you know, your choice of, uh, you, you put out Quinlan Voss last week. I'm interested in that. Uh, Ezra makes sense from a uh, backdoor pilot point of view. Uh, if Filoni was in charge, I'd say, I'd say it was Ezra, but Favreau's in charge. And I I keep, I do, I, against even member, maybe my better judgment, I keep going towards Luke. I think they could find a way to pull it off, whether it's a fan casting with Sebastian Stan or, or a D.H. Mark Campbell. I don't know. Uh, or something completely different. Uh, I, I, for the story, five years after Jedi, wherever Luke is on his journey, in the in the body of an Exegorth, uh, riding a, a big bird, uh, learning to touch the tide, all these things we know about him. I don't know. I, I just can see it working. I'd be surprised uh, almost if it wasn't him at this point could be wrong i don't know yeah yeah no i i'm right there with you i think that this is this weird weird uh combination of star wars thoughts and feelings right like mm-hmm. the, i kind of i take a step outside myself and go like did you just say you're not sure if you want luke skywalker to show up what the hell is wrong with you it's right, luke right, skywalker right, right. why on earth would you not want luke skywalker like um but I think the the answer to that is this question that that we're all kind of wrestling with of this was introduced to us as, you know, this is this little corner of the galaxy, just this, you know, right, simple right. Mandalorian trying to make his way in the galaxy while meeting Ahsoka, Thrawn, Boba Fett, and Luke Skywalker, you know. Um, but then on the other side of it, that's the story as we know it is Luke Skywalker is, you got to believe that he's visited uh, Tython, right? You got to believe that Luke Skywalker has uh, went and sat on that stone unless he's putting it off. You know, like there's some interesting stuff to be had with Luke right now of we know in general canon, he's going around, he's reconstructing as much information about the Jedi as he can. He's He is following Yoda's advice and having the most serious mind and becoming a master. Uh, but he's also in theory doing things exactly like this of something from the past was lost let me go find it and learn from it and help it and restore it. Everything about it in canon, taking away any like, do I want to see Luke? Um, mm-hmm. You know, any of that stuff. It does just for me make sense in the narrative of Star Wars and in the narrative of, of where Luke is and, and who he is and what he's doing. Yeah. End of the Skywalker saga be damned. I, 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 it's not that I don't believe that, especially in terms of movies, but Star Wars, you know, the way we watch it, it's this real thing almost where this this story's going on and Luke's out there. If this was set five years before New Hope, you know, I'd be like, of course not. He's a boy on the farm. But he's there. He's there. And, and this is exactly I, what he's doing, right? This is kind of his resume right now. Yeah, this, he's he's in Dune with the Force. And there's not a lot out there. Um, if this was season one, if we're just talking about predictions, uh, and kind of outside the story, uh, behind the scenes stuff. If it was season one. I'd say Favreau is going to give us Jedi cool guy 
uh, who someone we've never met before because that's what I had the feel of season one, right? Like we, we didn't, to Favre's own words, we're playing in our own little sandbox. Ahsoka, Thrawn, all these names you just mentioned. I also just kind of see Favreau, if he's sitting down to write a series, is like, all right, I need a Jedi. Luke. <laughs> like, well, what else are you going to say? You know? Well, yeah, I mean, this almost feels like the natural creative process of like, I want to tell this story where these characters from really different worlds find one another and they're everything to one another. This Mandalorian who's kind of a Mandalorian, but is doesn't actually know really what it is to be a Mandalorian. He finds this little baby who's kind of a Jedi, but doesn't really know what it means to be a Jedi. And the really simple, heartfelt story is their father and son and they fall in love and they mm -hmm. want to stay together. But, you know, the definition of who they are might might pull them apart it leads just kind of that simple heartfelt story leads to that like what pressure point is eventually gonna make them choose you know and luke skywalker coming and saying either coming to mandalorian and, and a little bit the way ahsoka did but maybe from a different perspective saying i can help him i'll help him but I, it feels to me like you should face your challenge uh din Djarin. it seems feels to me like you should face your fear you know, or maybe Grogu is one of these Jedi we always talk about or force users who just chooses that isn't the way for me. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm I'm fine being uh, with my father. And that's the answer uh, to, you know, why Luke doesn't take him to the temple. So Grogu is slaughtered by Ben Solo, which is, you know, the understandable fear we've all had. Uh, it just it does for me. It makes sense outside of fan casting, outside of is yeah. Luke Skywalker too big of a character it just makes sense for the story to have kind of wound its way here organically. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I, I we, we always ask the why. So any kind of theory put out there, even Quinlan Voss, there's some great why to that. A, a Jedi in the end, a Jedi who's seen some things, who's fallen in love, who's got touched the dark side. That, that brings an interesting angle to it. That's why I think it works for, for you and why you suggested it and why I'm on board for that. Uh, uh, Mace Windu showing up alive, you know, I, I've seen some of those photos going around or, or fan art. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, votes for Mace. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I'm not sure I'm in sync with the why on that one. Um, but the, the why of Luke Skywalker absolutely works for me. And we don't know, again, to almost a frustrating level, we don't know about Luke in this timeline, right? We don't know mm -hmm. him. He's got a video game, a comic appearance um that you know we don't get intentionally we've heard from you know chuck wendick well i wrote a ton of luke stuff in aftermath and they made me take it out yep so they've been sitting on this for for a reason is this the reason i don't think going back to 2014 maybe but eventually i think it's time to 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 work them into the story and and, and I, I again i wouldn't have thought i thought this like <laughs> like it works for me maybe season three season four yeah, yeah. I think that there is the possibility of just a, a tease at the end of this season, um, or maybe there isn't a follow-up, and this is you know much like uh, those those boots uh, approaching Fennec Shand in season one were all like, what was that about? Uh, well, now we know. Uh, so this show has uh, reinforced patience again and again. Um, I think for me, if they follow through on the, this conversation that Ahsoka started, mm -hmm. of if Ahsoka you know, has this, this traumatic, uh, experience and perspective that I left my master and he fell and he fell to this fear of attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, and Luke is still riding high on, uh, yeah, but I learned that attachment can be just as much of a strength as it is a weakness. And 
what you need is your family. I could never have done any of any of the things I've accomplished. I would have been dead again and again if it wasn't for this guy named Han who didn't even have a last name. His name is Han Solo, and now he's you know a hero of the galaxy. And you know my my sister was there for me, and Wedge was there for me, and I was there for my father. And you, Din Djarin, are this kid's father. You know, Ahsoka definitely did hint at that, but it, but Luke could come across with that perspective of. Family is more important than anything. I, I'll, I'll give you these tools. <laughs> you mm-hmm. train him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm contemplating. Yeah. Thinking. And, and again, I don't think this this becomes, you know, Luke as played by whoever is now a main cast member. It could be one episode. It could be one moment at the very end of the show. Yeah. Through. I mean, because to me it is, who knows where they'll take it, but it is, you know, if the show The Mandalorian is the story of Din and Grogu, I think that is heading towards like big climax. Mm-hmm. If the show is uh, season three, Grogu goes off to do whatever Grogu's going to do, um, that he goes back to Yothan, the planet of his people that we have made up in our minds, and then the Mandalorian goes on to his next adventure, I don't feel like that's what the, the show is, you right. know? Uh, so, And then the last thing I'll say on this is we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. I do think somebody like Quinlan Voss or a Jedi we've never met of somebody who is much older and lived through uh, Order 66 and maybe has a different uh, perspective than Ahsoka uh, could also be interesting because you're going to deal with a lot of these issues of, uh, of tragedy and creed and yeah. should the Jedi Order return and all that stuff could be interesting as well. Yep. All right, uh, moving on to just uh, some of the more just kind of fun uh, surface level canon stuff. Uh, the butterflies were great. Um, there are butterflies that pop up lots of places, but the, those blue butterflies, there's some great moments with them in the Clone Wars episodes, Jedi Crash, Defenders of Peace. Uh, so that was really fun to see. What were your other butterfly thoughts? You said you loved that. I just love it. I, I, I uh, My hometown is a stop and spot for the monarch butterflies uh, twice a year coming through town. So I just, uh, I've just grown up uh, going to butterfly groves and monarch groves and just uh, having all these flutterbys just fluttering by, as I would say. Uh, so I, just, I thought it was a real sweet moment, but very just natural, organic, connected with all living things kind of moment. And, and it was beautiful. Yeah, I thought it would really, really work because I felt like you needed something to really celebrate this place as this, you know, pinnacle of a Jedi Temple, the light side of the Force, and you know, loved in being like, well, what do do a Jedi thing now? And like, it seemed like those little flapping organic butterflies are are what you know allowed uh, Grogu to start opening up. Uh, I love this. I just love the scene stone. I thought it was really evocative of Luke's perch on Octo, of literally this. Uh, you know, organic uh, stone place uh, that is on a, a high plateau uh, just made me think of uh, Luke's perch on Octo. And I really like that connection. Yeah. Um, I was kind of expecting a monolith to be there. Um, just, uh, <laughs> showing up. Uh, oh, real life monoliths. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> so then there, we got this Imperial lander. Uh, I tried to Google this uh, this morning and I feel like that's a new design. I feel like every Imperial lander we've seen has been some form of shuttle, I could have missed it in a quick morning Google, but I thought these were much more evocative of the first order landing shuttle than uh, the more uh, imperial shuttles with the, the the tall wings, the folding tall wings of the past. What did you think about that? I I, I had the same thought of uh, is did did some engineer, some uh, production uh, designer in Moff Gideon's team take those to the unknown regions eventually? <laughs> I like the simple design and troop transport. It's uh, it's the, the the boat storm in the beaches at Normandy for me, and and they worked. 
Yeah, yeah, and even if it is just an evolution of design, I didn't. I don't feel to me like this was like a, this unlocks everything. This explains the connection. <laughs> this is the first order, but maybe it will be. Who knows? Uh, we of course got the return of the eWeb heavy re- uh, repeating blaster, uh, and it's it's great to see it come back now with more weight behind the lecture uh, <laughs> of how powerful it is. Right? Yeah. Well, it's gone now, so Gideon's gonna have to find another one. Maybe he has some more storage. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Uh, Cara Dune's New Republic badge. Uh, I admit I kind of misinterpreted that. I felt like uh, Carson Tevo was leaving it more as a sort of calling card. I didn't quite realize he was deputizing her in the previous episode. So I was glad to have that clarity. I felt stupid. Uh, uh, I'll just I, not you. I felt stupid like going, oh, well, yeah, of course. We thought it was his business card or, a, you know, gift, a, a coupon for $5 off the New Republic <laughs> gift shop. No, it was. Yeah, exactly. Here, make a choice. You could you could be this. Yeah. Duh. Pick it up. I'm, yeah. Duh. We need your help. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's great to have it just to be very, very clear in that, this episode that uh, she she's not wearing it, but she's following its lines. And those mean something. Those stripes, those stripes. Uh, I'm sure there are a ton of fun Easter eggs in her prison records. Obviously, it was great to see uh, all of the different uh, aliens flash by. I think there was a Hask thug in there. I did not pause and translate all the Orbesh. So if there are Easter eggs in there, I don't know what they are right now. And that's OK. Yeah, Alex uh, and Molly are working on it right now. I know, right? Sometimes I see something and just like, I'll wait for Alex and Molly's video. Um, uh, Migs Mayfeld <laughs> uh, has been sent to the Carthon Chop Fields. Uh, in Carthon Chop Fields is uh, to my research, unless it's some deep legends thing that, that I don't personally know. Uh, on Wikipedia, it appears to be a brand new place. So that was cool. Any other uh, canon stuff that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I can't wait to hear a Boston accident, Star Wars again, and it, it's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, no, that you you got all of it there. Mostly, I just wanted to talk about uh, Boba Fett uh, struggling to fit in his armor and how great it looked. <laughs> it was great. I loved it, uh, helmet and all. Uh, all right, let's talk favorite action moments. And there was a lot of action in this. Uh, we talked a little bit about how we were approaching the action in different ways, but did you have favorite action moments, Ken? Look, look, I could go down. Fennec jumping's great. I think Lauren Kim did stunts for her as well in this episode. She's spectacular. Uh, and Ming-Na Wei Wen, it was great in there as well uh, with some of her shots. Uh, I, I could I could run down that list, Joseph, but my favorite action moment was the Razor Crest being destroyed. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it had the most emotional weight to any of the action in the episode. It's not a slide in the action, but that one made me go, oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> it was incredibly well done because it was totally unexpected and great misdirection, right? Of like, yeah. the, oh, you got go protect the child, and then bam. Yeah, because look, I, I'm, you know, uh, stormtroopers getting whacked in the face. After a while, I go a little numb. Like it's cool stuff. Like, but that's maybe part of my issue with so, some of that violence. It's just like, yep, yep, got it, cool. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, awesome. That one, it was like a friend just blew up in front of me. Yeah, I know, right? It's like an, uh, an expensive friend. I I just purchased. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's his Volkswagen van just uh, breaking down on the side of the road. And uh, yeah, I hope they yeah I hope they include that right of uh, just a bunch of broken parts that you can also play. Yeah, and also I mean it it it, it oddly frees me a little bit as like as I do I I love the Razor Crest I think it's a great Star Wars ship, and it's gone. There's no company. They just you can't tell me there's Darth Maul coming back is more realistic than that coming back. <laughs> he can shop for a new one, right? Uh, but that one, yeah. 
no no combination of Queel, uh, Mon Calamari, Dock Worker. No one's taping that back together for him. He can get another one. It would be it would be going from a Volkswagen van to a Volkswagen van again. That's what the that's what it would be. It will <laughs> never be a van. Yeah. I did have two Ford Fairmonts, so who knows? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I, anything else for you? Honestly, that's it. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff was great. I, there was one moment of a stormtrooper getting whacked and then uh falling down the rocks or something like that um i did like the little touch of, of boba tapping the the sergeant on the on the uh, shoulders <laughs> and then, here you go yeah great little through line with that that uh that sergeant barking about what other people should do and then yeah, getting yeah. a little bit of boba fett comeuppance there um yeah i, I think for me there were, the action really really worked uh and the one that made me scream because it was a kind of both a fun thing and a jokey thing that I have read about uh, probably on the back of action figures and in probably RPGs. I don't, I don't even, it's one of those things that's just been in star Wars osmosis for me for a long time. So I don't even know where I first encountered it, but just the, the, I literally make jokes at parties of like when the Boba Fett uh, uh, fight comes up, like I would jokingly say with a beer in my hand, but he's got knee darts. You don't understand. You know how cool it is to have <laughs> knee darts. I screamed. Uh, literally screamed in joy at the knee darts. And the fact that the knee darts <laughs> were the straw that broke the stormtroopers' backs where those yeah. two went down. I mean, I know he had slaughtered a bunch of the others, but they're like, knee darts? Screw it. Let's get out of here. And they turn around and run. I, I, I'm i so over the moon about knee darts. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm with you. Again, we're talking about dumping the action figures on the floor and playing with them. Of course, the knee darts uh, would come into play. It's great stuff. Yeah, and I just I love the the wrist laser uh, that we did see uh, you know before, and I, I the the punch to the gut of the stormtrooper that then had the extra just little explosive push uh, mm-hmm. that was just I mean it really is for me of uh, a, a fan of Boba Fett is a badass if not on screen in our imagination to see truly in the armor being a badass was just mm-hmm. really over the moon stuff for me. Uh, but then I also loved the uh, just uh, Boba Fett no armor with the gaffy stick, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a little bit of fulfilling of Star Wars fantasy of like, that looks like a nasty tool. It's, you know, it's really lucky that Luke is alive from, you know, A New Hope to see it in full action. And I, I just the way it was shot to uh, create such fear of this large, painful metal object. Uh, I think the one that really got me that just that did celebrate the violence and celebrate Fett's uh, level of viciousness is you see it being, he's dragging it, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he, he, you know, hits the, the, the stormtrooper and the, uh, it doesn't just shatter. It just like the helmet explodes. Then we cut to that shot where the, the helmet is just gone and he has splayed out. It just made you feel the violence and it, and it did kind of feel to me like, if we're telling a story about violence, let's make people feel it. And that one did. Yeah. No, yeah. Good use of the stick. Yeah. Uh, last two for me. I, I just like fun, creative moments. I like Fennec uh, throwing her their helmet. I like it anytime an action person's like, what's closest to me? I'll throw that. <laughs> My own helmet. Fine. Agreed. Uh, uh, and the Grogu Stormtrooper toss. Uh, that is, you know, sad, funny, cool all at the same time. But the the flipping them the the two different directions and just the comic way that they hit the walls uh, that, yeah. that was good stuff for me no it worked there's some uh, there's some uh, foreboding dark side 
stuff to it, though I would call it out of defense in that situation or out of panic. But uh, yeah, I, I did like that too. Yeah. It seemed like he was trying not to kill them, but almost more viciously playing with them, throwing them around yeah. again and again. But they didn't die, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, no, it worked. And, and Gideon's reaction, all that kind of worked at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk moments of uh, comedy or whimsy or grizzled weirdos. There was definitely some grizzled and some weirdo. Uh, but what jumped, jumped out to you for comedy moments? I just absolutely adore Din saying Grogu. Probably <laughs> saying it over and over and over and laughing because uh, it, it, it's, I don't know, it is. Grogu's not a dog or a pet to me, but it is, it is kind of the reaction of like Grogu. He did it. He reacted. I said it. I said it and he reacted. <laughs> uh, it's great. Um, so I, I like that. Uh, and then just, uh, we talked about it, what, what it means, but just in terms of just whimsy and wonder and, and kind of a, uh, a spiritual side, just of him just going, you're a very special kid. Uh, you're or saying you're a very special kid and knowing that what he maybe he's basically saying you're too good for me in a way, but which is deeper stuff. But I, I like that there as well. And then uh, some of the stuff in the temple was great too. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. The the Grogu name check and laugh, the the chuckling, yeah, it, it it feels like partially just like this. He's amused by it, but also this joy of like I didn't know how well I was or was not communicating with this kid, and now I just have this immediate response, and I know I'm connecting with him, and just like there's a joy in that that was great. Um, I love that turn of phrase when he's talking about Ahsoka, and he says. When the nice lady said you had training, I just. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I laughed at that too. When the nice lady. Yeah, maybe it's me being, a, you know, a fan of uh, of some of uh, Jerry Lewis's uh, comedy. Jerry Lewis, a complicated, troubled individual uh, that I could do a long podcast about, but uh, still a fan of some of his work. Uh, <laughs> when the nice lady said you had training to refer to Ahsoka Tano as the nice lady. It also just felt like he's trying to talk to a kid, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, this is kind of a comedy moment and also just a deeply emotional moment, uh, on my second view. And when I knew where it was going, when he, he gets Grogu to, to use his power again and feels like he's made that connection and said, dang, Farrakh in that celebratory way. And then says, no, 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 I'm not mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Great stuff. Um, yeah, and then the, the uh, we talked about it last week because we got to see a little bit of it, but then it was just an explosion of Din being the exact opposite of Jedi tone and understanding. You know, I think there's a lot in this episode that reminds you that Din really just needs to be set down with a galactic history book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and just knowing that that's, you know, who he is, uh, is hurry up and get things done. Of Just everything in that temple was a pitch perfect character comedy because it's honest character stuff that's yeah. you know, where the comedy is coming from maybe there's some kind of control or something uh, hurry up and do it does this look jedi to you <laughs> yeah no it, well, you know I, I put the note of it's like he's basically saying okay is this how the force works uh it, it worked very well uh, man look mando right I, I i didn't think about it until now but it's it's like season one of uh, unbreakable kimmy schmidt he's emerged from the bunker and he's learning about the world <laughs> <laughs> That is a reference I was not expecting. Uh, I loved Grogu's little hands in the actual meditation pose. Oh, God, that was adorable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely adorable. Uh, the uh, There's very, very, very dark comedy of, uh, of little baby binders. Uh, that's... <laughs> Well, so I love it's dark, it's it's dark comedy, but I love that Gideon kind of oh you've gotten good at that. I bet it makes you sleepy. He might as well have said, "I bet it makes you sweepy." Like he's 
talking to a baby, but it's, it was from, I, I, unintentional. But like I say that to my chihuahuas, like it was, it was, I was fascinated by that moment on so many levels. Just yeah, it makes you oh so sleepy. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Great, great, uh, awful Moff Gideon moments with kind of teasing him with the dark saber. Yeah. You, know, oh, you yeah. haven't seen one of these in a long time, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, last thing is it, there was a moment that I don't know if you noticed, but I noticed and enjoyed. And I was like, I wonder if this is a Ken moment. Uh, when the stormtroopers are running away from the terror of Boba Fett's knee darts, uh, the last one jumps on in this desperate, barely made it way. Yep. Uh, you, you know me too well. Again, we are a Star Wars married podcast couple. Yes. Uh, for whatever reason, I laughed, liked it. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I, I need to find that part of me out. I don't know, but I did like it. It was just so desperate. Like, wait for me, guys. Uh, all right. Any directorial moments that jumped out at you? I mean, again, perfect marriage of of script and director. And, and Favreau, without a doubt, probably did that on purpose. Probably, oh, Robert's on board. I got the episode for him. I can only, I'd love to find out in the Disney galleries. Love to find out the truth. But um, Desperado, uh, El Mariachi, uh, films that... Um, especially uh, El Mariachi. I had a study in, in college like, and, and it just it was vibes and, and telling the story, the violence, it was there. And I don't want to make it seem like I, I, I up top that I don't love this violence. I mean, it's just not my favorite star Wars violence all the time, but it really worked. And there was just the, there was the, there's a great moment. God, when uh, Boba does something and it's just kind of a shot, he's kind of looking over his shoulder and he's just like, his teeth are just, gritted and, and he's already seething and he's feeding off of it and uh, i just liked him i like robert rodriguez finding that moment in the violence yeah yeah i thought that all of the action was you know really uh, well shot it really had variety and surprises in it like i said at the top of it, it wasn't you know just the same uh repetitive moves it was really kinetic and and flowing it's you know action to me is like this really violent dance uh, and it felt that way. But yeah, Fennec Shan, just, just, she's just getting her business done. The Stormtroopers are just trying to accomplish their task. But Fett is in his own little horror movie world. And I love that shot, that lowered down and he's waiting behind the rock for the Stormtroopers uh, that made you look at the gaffy stick is like, that's an angry guy with a rusty pipe in a basement. It's a horror movie. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that moment where he's dragging it. And I just thought it was shot to make you feel his anger, his violence, and and not shy away from the horror of it. That that shot where he uh, stabs the trooper on the ground, and you're looking up at him, and he's just got that fury in his face, right? Yeah. Well, it was great again by by just circumstance of of new canon. Uh, you you had to do some of this without Boba Fett in the mask. I mean, I guess he couldn't. He he could have gotten the mask before, but they chose to do it this way. And and. This isn't a slight against, you know, not seeing Mando's face, but just like you, I, I'm glad you got to see what Boba Fett, this character who's been masked for decades, that we really got to see. Uh, yes, I know we see him as a kid in the Clone Wars and everything, but like we got to see him. I, I, I felt it. You felt it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that, um, that story in the Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view that we just reviewed. It was a great inside Boba's head during Empire Strikes Back. And I really gravitated toward that line of, I, that Boba Fett has decided to hold on to his anger and he chooses to see every target is the Jedi who got away, meaning basically Mace Windu. So it was amazing to read that this week and then watch this and go like, did he just stab that stormtrooper like he was Mace Windu? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. uh, obviously action. You know what? This uh, famous uh, action director did, did some real good action. Um, but there's a lot of other choices that I think really just made it kind of explosive and propulsive. I mentioned it before. The way the stone energy just kind of explodes, and uh, when Grogu uh, reaches out in the Force and Mando turns and sees it, it's like, oh man, you know, it gave it this sort of propulsive energy. Uh, I really like the shot of approaching the temple mm-hmm. uh, in seeing outside the window of the Razor Crest and circling this, you know, Jedi almost Stonehenge. They even refer to it as a henge. Uh, there's something that made it really real. And I really like that shot of, yeah, it's a mystical uh, Jedi place, but it's not like shot from below to create sort of like artificial awe in the audience. It's just seen is this random place on this random planet from above. We really see it through Din's eyes of like, it's a, it's a bunch of rocks. It's special, huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, you know, again, volume or not, uh, you know, at this point, I don't even know. Um, I really like it just is uh, for, for an episode that maybe uh, didn't look good as good to me as other episodes that looked spectacular. I, it would look very real lived in all those kind of terms you used to describe when you just kind of are as a fan watching it and you feel like you're there. That's what it felt yeah. like. I did love it. Yeah. It felt, I think that was it too of like, yeah, I, I've known that shot from being on a plane of like, Ooh, look down and there's that cool monument or yeah. It was awesome. Uh, and then I thought, obviously, with the, all the action stuff, that also shout out that I don't think anything in this episode would have worked without that opening cockpit scene being so heartwarming, uh, so mm-hmm. hilarious, and so foreboding, you know, of like everything warm that's happening between them is in danger, and we know it. And, and that scene was absolutely nailed uh, in the direction and in the performance. Well, to go from that to smash cut to the tragedy is the title again. <laughs> Pretty effective. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Well, as we're wrapping up here with our fun questions, uh, we always uh, like to see if there's any moment that uh, seemed inspired by action figures, but it might be easier to say, is there a moment that was not inspired by action figures this episode, Ken? Um, um, No, I mean, literally all of it. This is this is dumping them out, playing with them uh, times a thousand. And that's okay. I I, I think that's great. And uh, I specifically the mortar troops, even though I said I kind of didn't like it earlier, I looked at that and was like, well, wait, I'll wait to see them in the black series line. Uh, (laughs) That we were there. Um, Yeah. It all, it all was the glory of action figures, which is tied into our love of star Wars. Yeah. This is, this is why you troop build, right? So Mm -hmm. you can have a couple of your heroes fight just dozens of stormtroopers uh yeah i don't care if it's uh black series uh, or vintage or retro uh i really need uh boba fett uh with gaffy snick stick and snap on armor right Mm -hmm. that figure where you can put the armor on yourself so you get him is his uh you know uh tatooine scavenger look and back in the armor look absolutely absolutely yeah and fennec shand with pull away stomach that's great too uh, is there anything that we have not touched on that you wanted to? No, we went, we went in, man, we went in and it's always a journey. So sometimes these episodes, sometimes the nature of star Wars discussions or discourse online can, can bleed into your thoughts and opinions. You, you almost brace for impact. And, and, uh, you know, you and I have been talking off air, Joseph, we'll probably even talk about more on air about just, uh, centering yourself, uh, finding uh, your joy as a star Wars fan and, and focusing on the things that you love, but focusing on even also on the things that you question and, and not being afraid to question them and see where that takes you as a Star Wars fan was a important lesson for me in this episode. 
Yeah, yeah. I think this is definitely, uh, there's a lot in this season and I think a lot in this episode that is that really gets to that heart of the idea that, you know, Star Wars is like pizza, as we sometimes say, and many, many people love pizza, but your opinion is going to change based on the toppings. And, and there's been some strong toppings on these different episodes of Mandalorian. And, you know, I, I've been lucky for myself that, you know, this has the, uh, the Boba Fett goat cheese <laughs> that I love and other people like, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so I do understand and respect that last thing, just a little thing for me, cause I, I reflect on it every time it comes up the stun blast effect. Um, uh. that just had to be such a strange and creative decision back in the late seventies of like, Oh, is what's a stun blast going to look like? Is it just a different color bolt? Like, no, it's a large circle. Like, okay. <laughs> Somebody decided that. And decades later, that weird, strange effect is still with us. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Any predictions or hopes for next week or heading into the finale? Well, one thing this episode did, it kind of changed the way I view predicting the next week. I, I would I would joke that uh, we're going to go on a side uh, mission and uh, maybe Mandalorian's going to pick up a a new van and go grocery shopping and we'll get to the point. But no, I, uh, I know at this point I'm, I'm saying break out Mayfeld and head for the final act. It might just be it. I don't know. Uh, I can see that. I am looking forward to this. Uh, if there's more quality time with Gideon and uh, Grogu uh, as dangerous as that might be for our little Grogu. I, I am interested in seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. This, I thought the end of this episode was really interesting because it could have ended on, um, Boba Fett saying to Mando, you know, I, I, I made my promise that if I get the armor back, I will help keep you and the kids safe. So that's what I'm going to do. And then it could have cut to that scene with Gideon. Mm. That scene with Cara Dune was really like, hey, everybody, here's exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Next week is the big uh, bust Migs Mayfeld out episode. So then the finale can be, you know, Mando and maybe still Boba Fett and Fennec Shan and Migs Mayfeld. And who knows? Maybe Bo-Katan will be there. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where we're going to go get the child back. It almost seems like divided up into like, hey, everybody, just so you know, we got this Mayfeld rescuing episode. Oh, but yeah. then for sure, don't worry, for sure, Din Djarin is going to fight Moff Gideon, Darksaber versus Beskar Spear. Don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think I think they're gonna go uh, go to Pelly, and she's gonna have a ship form. She's gonna drive it, maybe. I mean, it, it, it's gather the everyone up. Uh, you were there. You were there. You were there. Let's go do it. The pit droids are gonna kill dozens of stormtroopers. Yes, gonna happen. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, this is fun place to be in of kind of feeling like some of these beats that really make narrative sense are probably going to happen, but exactly how, what they're gonna mean to the characters is uh, still up in the air, and exactly where we're gonna leave this season if. Mando's going to ma- uh, manage to reunite with Grogu or this is going to end on a season cliffhanger, a year long cliffhanger uh, or year or more, depending on when they get season three done. That's a possibility. And I think, you know, is the call out to Jedi just something that's going to be dangling out there in our Star Wars galaxy? Or is the last beat of one of these episodes going to be a, a hook of we see some, you know, black Jedi boots walk onto the the toward the scene stone on Tython, you know? Look, I, I, I think, I think one of two things, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I'm always, I love my predictions going wrong in Star Wars, but yeah, either the boots in the hood and we spend a year wondering or the boots in the hood and the reveal. And we spend a year wondering why, how, and what, and both are wonderful and both are excruciating. 
<laughs> it is wonderful and excruciating. Very, very good point. We always uh, try to end the podcast on a weird, fun, personal question. So, uh, Ken, this one isn't too personal. It's uh, having empathy and wondering about other people's perspective. Do you think stormtroopers have life insurance? Oh, no, no. This is it's they got some base level medical, but it's not good. Um, it, it just is uh, they, they're expected to kind of not have families or care about them if they do. Right. So, nope. And Moff Gideon, he's kind of a small business owner, probably can't afford it. Probably can't. He's like, no, nah, I, I got to keep you to 29 hours and below uh, menacing the galaxy because uh, after that, I can't I can't afford to keep it, keep you on. So, uh, yeah, not quite yet. Yep, I'm. I'm so want to hear just a little bit more about the actual uh, story of how Gideon is recruiting these days. Because obviously we had the remnant troopers who weren't in great uh, shape, who were with the client. These stormtroopers, uh, their armor looks uh, well kept. They're shiny and new, and there are a lot of them. And so many are no longer with us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and is any money, even a card, being sent to a? Uh, the stormtroopers' families back home, wherever that is. Smithers, send the widow a corsage. Yeah, yeah. My final thing that I, I meant to mention when we talked about predictions, but we already talked about it a little bit, is I. this isn't a prediction, honestly. This is a hope. Uh, and that is, I think, Force Center's now patented hope for campfire scenes. Yep. I do think there's a possibility if uh, Mando is on Slave One with Boba Fett and they're heading off to bust out Mayfeld, uh, that it does make sense that they, we could get a little bit more of a, uh, it'll be terse because that is the way of Mandalorian dialogue, but a little bit more back and forth of what it means to them to be a Mandalorian. Yeah, I'd actually like that. Uh, you know, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is our big look at Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. Thanks for listening, number one. But you can find us on Twitter, Force Center Pod, like our Facebook page, we're on Instagram, YouTube. You can get t-shirts at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center or magnets or cups or masks. Get it all. Get it all there at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can get an audio book on us. Try it out. Audibletrial.com slash Force Center. High Republic is on the way. Uh, maybe get one of those books for us uh, on us and support the show in the process. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. You can find me at Ken Napsack or go to kennapsack.com for information on all the things I'm working on. And for you, Joseph, they can head over to your website. That is right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for other comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed, all sorts of comedy adventures, you can visit my website, josephscrimshaw.com. For now, uh, for myself, for Ken, for the love between Grogu and Din Djarin, and for Old Man Fett, this has been The Mandalorian Report. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.